0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Rungren Radio. Tonight we have an exclusive interview with Eric Gardner, Todd's long-term manager. 30 years, I believe, maybe a little bit more. Eric's been in the business for a long time. Started out in 1971 with the very first rock and roll tour coordination company, which included bands like Jefferson Airplane, The Grateful Dead, and the band that got me into rock and roll,
2: KISS.
0: Uh, the
1: hardest band in the land. <laughs> oh, my God. Come on now. You didn't get Destroyer when Beth came out? I did not,
3: no. Well, all right. <laughs> there you it.
1: That's how he got started. But then Eric moved on and started in 1974 talent management, which is what he's been doing ever since, including the talent of Todd Rungren and so many other people. Cruiser Mail, it's off the chain.
3: Certainly is. I think we're going to surprise some people tonight. They all think that. Uh... You know, Paul Schaefer and uh, Todd are the only clients, but they would be ever so wrong. That's correct. Let's talk oh. about a couple of them, shall we? Okay.
1: Let's tonight. Because most people, you know, we think that all he does is deal with Todd, but that is far from the case. Here we go. He has represented such artists as Bill Wyman of the Rolling Stones, Max Weinberg, Steven Van Zandt, and the majority of the E Street Band. Timothy Leary, Ariana Huffington, Fire Sign Theater, Ben Stein, Gabe Kaplan, Kenny Jones of The Who, Rick Wright of Pink Floyd, The Stray Cats, Jefferson Starship, The Sex Pistols, John Lydon, Hot Tuna, Blue Oyster Cult, Utopia, Cheech, The Jam, The Dictators, Jim Steinman of Meatloaf Bank, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Ralph Bakshi, Grace Jones, Patty Davis, and John... I'll try this, uh, Craig Falusi, the creator of Ren and Stimpy. How about that resume?
3: Yeah, it's impressive. It's impressive.
1: Yep, not to mention, currently he's got Donnie Marie Osmond
3: yeah. and Elvira.
1: Elvira. Ooh. And Paul Schaefer. Oh, yeah. And Richard Belzer. And Martha Quinn, if y'all remember her, MTV, DJ.
3: Oh, I miss Martha. I like her.
1: And Richard Chamberlain, Golden Globe winner. Mm -hmm. and he does stuff in TV and film, we'll get into all that later let's make some announcements, Eric will be calling in in a few minutes so if you're interested in hearing from him, you will, you just got to wait it out alright, so here we go, Cruiser Mail, tell us about the upcoming tour Todd is on tour
3: he will be here in, where are we, the 17th, so in less than 10 days he's going to be kicking it off in Fort Lauderdale, I guess that's his version of spring break uh... Then Chasm going to do a little solo show the next day on the 26th of March. And then the, the whole band is going to get back together again in Clearwater. And then they'll go Orlando, Birmingham, Chattanooga, Atlanta, Memphis, Tennessee, Indianapolis, Louisville, Covington, Columbus, Nashville, Baltimore, New York City, New York City, Vineland, New Jersey, Northampton, Mass, Foxborough, Mass, Cleveland, and Chicago. And if you didn't pay attention that time, you can find all you need to know at the TR Connection or at EJ's Hot Totties. Where else can they find some info? MySpace. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: Todd Runger Music. MySpace.com forward slash, which is the official Todd Runger and MySpace page run by our friend Lynn who works for Eric at mm-hmm. Panacea Entertainment. Yeah. So there you go. That was a mouthful. That's a lot of shows.
3: What did we figure out? 20 shows in 30 days? I think that was it.
1: 20 oh, shows, 30 wait. days,
3: something like that. It's
1: the hardest work to manage show business.
3: Well, yeah. 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 And we love him.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. So we'll see what happens. You know, there's lots of talk about the set list being the same as the last uh, leg, but there's no confirmation of that. That's just what people think, including myself. But he may mix it up a little bit. I think definitely he's going to be playing arena because... You know, the people like here in Birmingham have not heard it live unless we've traveled. So, there you have it. Yeah. So Birmingham, Memphis hasn't seen it, and Nashville hasn't seen it. A lot of those places. So he'll be doing some of that. The other songs, who knows?
3: Hey, speaking about Birmingham and uh, Alabama in general, uh, Todd did an interview on radio station WLRH. Is that in Birmingham? Do you know?
1: I don't know where that is. I don't think so.
3: Oh, okay. All right. Well, you can apparently find it. I I had trouble finding it, but you can find it, wlrh.com. It's supposed to be running, I guess, an archived version of that interview that ran on the 13th of March. So go check it out, see if he says anything new that we don't already know.
1: There you go. Speaking of radio shows, if you want to call in tonight, Six four six seven one six nine two six two is the number. If you'd like to call in and say hey to Eric and ask a question, we will give you that shot. Just be polite, like you are to all our guests, and it's all good.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Speaking of polite, one of the most politest gentlemen I know, Chasm Sultan, has a new YouTube video up on his YouTube page. Which uh can you tell us a little bit about that? Did you see it, Cruiser Mount?
3: Of course I saw it. I'm a subscriber. <laughs> you can subscribe to his videos. Yes. Um, it's another one of his backstage pass videos and it's where he's driving home from he was in Cleveland Sunday night, so it must have been I guess yesterday when he was driving back to New York and he does some talking and he does some well, he says very, he talks very nicely to his GPS but uh called <laughs> Darlin and things like that. Oh. And he even okay. says that he misses Doug, but I have a feeling he's not talking about you.
1: No, he's talking about Doug Kennedy, I'm sure. <laughs> but, You know, he's got a place in his heart for me. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who knows?
3: Who doesn't? Oh. Well, no, it's it's a good one. It's I don't know four or five minutes, and with him driving, which always is a little uh, a little scary to be videotaping oneself while driving. But I guess he's talented in many ways. Yeah, usually
1: he does a good job on his YouTube videos. All right, so future Ruger Radio guest we got Matt Bolton next week, who was part of the uh, first leg of the arena tour, including Todd Stock. He played guitar and keyboards, which Chasm is now doing, speaking of Chasm. So he is doing a solo career and doing some tours, got some shows coming up. We'll be talking to him about that and his album that he has out. Uh, It's Echo.
3: You know, is he fixing to come over stateside? Yes. Oh,
1: sweet. The the gigs are in California.
3: Well, I know so, people, the people who met uh, uh, Matt when he was on tour all really liked him. He's a real friendly guy. So hopefully some of our peeps will go out and support Mr. Bolton.
1: Yes, a Hawaiian native. Mr. Bolton will be on here the 24th. Then the next week is the Birmingham, the big show in Birmingham, which is going to be stacked and packed with Todd fans from all over the place, a lot of Todd stalkers. It's going to be a blast. Uh, let's see. We don't know what we're going to do yet. What we might do is just pass the phone around to all the people that are here that we know and let them tell you why they're there or something or, you know, just have a little fun. won't be any kind of interview show probably. won't be anything too fancy, but if you don't get to come to that show and you want to get in the chat room and you want to hear some silliness, that might be a good deal.
3: Yeah. Well, everyone seems to like the chat, so...
1: Somehow we'd have to get that started, though. <laughs> and then
3: right. yeah, we've out. got
1: um, David Mason on April 7th. That's going to be a good show because, just like Eric Gardner, you will not find a whole lot of information about this individual. In fact, I don't know that anybody knows much about David Mason, who was with Utopia Mark One, co-wrote Utopia Theme. I've talked to him on the phone. He's going to be a great guest. It's going to be a lot of fun. He's got a lot of stories, a lot of stuff to talk about. So do not... Do not miss that show, please. I'll be there yes so did you were you did you say you weren't or were able to get on that interview on w l r h dot org
3: well i I could get to the website I could get to the name of the show right now it's slipping my mind reeling I'm, in the years reeling in the years. I could get to the show, but I couldn't find out how to play or even find any of the interviews so hmm. I am not the person to ask.
1: Well, hopefully somebody can find it, and that's the that's the website, though. Speaking of Todd interviews, we haven't talked about this in a long time. There's a ton of them on Rundgren Radio 2. That's the number2.com. That's on a, a website where you have to actually download a player from their website. It doesn't work with Apple computers, or it didn't. It might now. I don't know. But if you can get it to work, it's Full of interviews from the 70s up until now. It's really good stuff. You can just keep it on all the time, 24-7, and hear Todd's voice change. <laughs> <laughs> Funny stuff. All right. What about the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp? I know some people know about that. Some don't. Cruiser Mail, how can they find out about that? Todd is going to be helping people learn guitar, and Stephen Tyler is on board with it now from Aerosmith. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a wild camp, I bet.
3: Yeah. If you've got, you know, a few spare thousand dollars hanging around that uh, you're not willing to send to Doug and me, uh, you can register for the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp at rockcamp.com. You can see all the artists that are going to be there, including our Todd. So, yeah, I,
1: I understand there's a gig they do at the end that's open to the public mm-hmm. somewhere in Hollywood, and it's, I, it's I don't Hollywood. know that Todd plays, you know, a whole set list or
3: whatever, but I guess it's kind of like a jam session, maybe. I don't know. That's what it's been before. When I, They had, they ran it on television uh, a couple of years ago when they first started that, and, and that's what it was. It was sort of a jam session. And all the people, of course, the campers get to play as well. Yeah.
1: Well, speaking of spending money, giving it to me and Cruiser Mail, <laughs> I'm about to place an order for some running radio stuff for some of the folks that are coming to Birmingham, if you want something, a T-shirt, a polo, whatever, button-down, a tote bag, hat, we got everything. And just email me; I'll tell you what all you can get and all that good stuff at RungrinRadio@earthlink.net. I sell it to you at cost; not a big deal. Just a few things here and there. If you want to help pimp the show, just let me know. Yeah, they got
3: couple it. things. They got little uh, book bags and. Uh, Didn't you say they had, like, a bathrobe or something? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's what...
2: Yeah. They have
1: everything. Hello. Hello, Eric Gardner. Yes. Are you with us?
2: I am. Hi. How are you doing? Swell. How are you? Hi, Eric. Feeling
1: all right? I'm sorry? You feeling all right?
2: I'm doing fine. Thank you. Very
1: good. All right. I know Lynn Lynn over there had... uh, Mentioned there's a bug going around over there in California. I'm hoping yeah, you have Yeah,
2: yeah, I actually am homesick, but I'm going to do my best here. <laughs> all right, we appreciate it.
1: Very good. Well, I've got Cruiser Mail on the line with me. S- sorry, who's on the line? Cruiser Mail. Hello. Hi.
3: How are
2: you?
1: You may call me Mel. <laughs> okay, Mel. <laughs> She's from Texas. All right. So, sorry to. I hope you're uh, you're feeling all right enough to talk to us because we got a yeah, lot I to wish play. I had
2: a cough button on this phone, but I don't.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, we uh, have lots of questions. We want to try to do a little educate tonight because a lot of people are confused about what you do and what you don't do. And
2: well, no more curious. so than I am.
1: <laughs> yeah. You're a manager? Then she's happy if you can manage yourself. Uh, I got gotcha. you. All right. So let's start with that. What's the current activities you have going on? I know Donnie Marie just got another deal with Vegas. They're doing that now. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: You still represent Paul Schaefer? And I do. Yeah. Is there anything new going on that uh, you have in the works, TV,
2: film? Uh, Well, there's new stuff all the time. You know, I've got a very small client roster uh, intentionally. It's a real boutique kind of operation. Uh, You know, my current client roster is, uh, uh, as you know, Todd, and uh, uh, looking after the Utopia archives and... Uh, as you mentioned, Paul Schaefer, uh, Donnie Osmond, I represent, uh, I co-manage Donnie and Marie. Marie has her own manager. Uh, Richard Belzer, who's on, uh, Law and Order and, a Law and Order Special Victims Unit, who's, uh, also a stand-up comedian. Uh, Richard Chamberlain, who doesn't work all that much, but, uh, when he does, uh, uh, I look after that for him, and, um... Uh, and then I also am producing partners, as I have been for 26 years, with Cassandra Peterson, who created and portrays the Elvira character.
1: Mm. Richard Chamberlain, for somebody who doesn't work much, I still see him on TV a lot.
2: Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, he turn, turns down 90, 98% of the stuff he's offered, though. He just, uh, you know, he's very selective these days.
1: He's just done with it.
2: Very good. Well,
1: I'm curious uh about when you started out because I noticed on your bio that you had worked with KISS.
2: Uh you were that doing was the rock one and of, roll one of my programs. early clients, yeah.
1: Yeah. And The Grateful Dead, which you know, those were you know, I think both of those bands, their their tour part at least was or still is, you know, when they were touring The Grateful Dead of course, and KISS definitely still sometimes very unique and different. Mm-hmm. Did you have anything to do with kind of how they set that up?
2: uh a little bit uh more so with the grateful dead uh uh before i was before i um formally became uh a management uh a manager uh for the first couple years i w- uh i was acting as a worldwide tour coordinator back in a t- at a time when uh big time touring was a bit little bit of a novelty it was only it was less than a year after woodstock nobody really knew what they were doing so there was no one there around to contradict it, you know when i declared myself an expert you know. <laughs> uh, uh of course i didn't know anything more than anybody else i just pretended i did um but uh, my first two clients uh uh were the grateful dad and the jefferson airplane and uh from a tour coordination standpoint so i had a lot to do with the staging of their shows uh on a worldwide basis um kiss i uh i i Represented outside of the United States, uh, for I took them to Japan for the first time, took them to Australia for the first time, to Europe for the first time, and uh, and the second and third and fourth and fifth times. But uh, so I had uh, by you know the, the the shows were pretty much already designed, having toured in America uh, before we brought we had, they had to be modified a little bit, but uh, not so much.
1: Yeah, it's a long time ago, but I believe Kiss was really big in Japan.
2: The just was enormous in Japan. It was yep. uh that first tour was quite memorable. It was <laughs> 1975.
1: Yeah, I kind of remember that a little bit. Now, what did you think about as a, as a business guy and a manager, the Grateful Dead's decision, if I understand correctly, they they don't have any kind of copyright issues or whatever. You can sell and make Grateful Dead stuff as a fan and sell their t-shirts and use their bear and all that kind of stuff. That's a little bit different. Did you
2: Well, did they you, yeah, they they pretty much uh, in uh it is unique, uh, but they also trusted their fan base not to not to uh, uh, not to abuse that privilege, and uh, you know, so they gave them a little bit of rope and a sandbox to play in, and and hopefully, and, and their intent was that hopefully the, the fans would stay within that sandbox, and they they pretty much did.
1: Really, that's good. Very nice. All right,
2: so you did
1: that, and then you switched to talent management
2: uh it, well what happened was uh uh the um uh what happened was there was a sorry phones are going off here and um sorry uh you need to get a call uh, go ahead no that's right. uh, right. uh what happened was uh as i built my tour coordination business cuz no one else was doing it at the time i was the only person doing it so i ended up having a lot of clients um uh Grad, although I was unaware that I was doing it, apparently a lot of the stuff I was doing was stuff that usually was ma- uh, relegated to management as opposed to tour coordination. And so uh, several of the bands that I was providing tour coordination services for eventually, you know, by I guess about 1973, uh, started asking me if I would... Uh, uh, manage them as well because they they perceived I was pretty much already doing a lot of that without realizing it, and so uh, that bands like uh, Hot Tuna and Jefferson by that time Jefferson Starship and uh, um, and Blue Oyster Cult and a, a New York band a New York cult band called the Dictators and uh, and then uh, a year later uh, Todd and and that happened the same way uh, because. Initially, I was contacted by Todd's then-manager uh, to, uh, to design a new show for them, for Utopia. Uh, and, and that was my first introduction to the Todd Utopia world, was being hired by their manager, their then-manager, to, to design what became the Raw Tour, the Pyramid Tour and everything. <laughs> Who was the manager then? Uh, a girl named Susan Lee.
1: Susan Lee, right, okay. Because yeah. that, that tour, of course, is, seems to be most Utopia fans' favorite by far, when we ask.
2: Yeah, that was... So you, uh, you did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a challenge. Um, but, uh, and then, um, and, and so I spent the good part of uh, the fall of 75 and the spring of 76 designing that. and uh, And then, <coughs> excuse me, um, and then they were planning on going out in the, uh, in the fall of 76. Actually, with that Pyramid Tour, they were planning on going out in, the, in, in, in early 77 for the first time. And what happened in the fall of 76 was uh, the manager also asked me, because she knew that I was doing a lot overseas, she said that Utopia had never been to Japan. Could I arrange a Japanese tour for Utopia? Which I did do. And uh, that was in... Uh, uh, November, uh, 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 November of '76, and the night before the tour was ready to leave, when everybody was ready to leave, I got a call from the manager at night, and she said that uh, uh, that uh, she and Todd had just had a, a falling out, and she was no longer managing them, but mm-hmm. she didn't want them to go over to Japan without any supervision. And was I available to get on a plane the next morning and go to Japan with them? <laughs> and uh, and so I said, sure. And uh, so I did. I met them at the airport, and uh, we, we went to Japan together. And it was during that Japanese tour that uh, that they asked if I would be their new manager. And that's hmm. how that happened.
1: Well, how long did Susan, do you remember how long Susan and Todd were together?
2: Uh, a few years, because Susan actually worked had worked for Albert Grossman, mm-hmm. and uh, Albert owned, uh, you know, Bearsville Records, uh, to which Todd and Utopia were signed at the time. And so Susan was really an extension of Albert. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, so Todd's association with Albert had gone back, you know, to 1970, if I'm not mistaken, 71. And um, and although Albert had never actually managed Todd, uh, the, I, I think back in, in, in a 19, early 1970s way of thinking in the music business, uh, he wanted to keep as much control as possible, and so he uh, he suggested to Todd that Susan represent him. And Susan, of course, was really a surrogate Albert. Uh, so uh, that doesn't happen much anymore. Uh, did you that- did you know uh, Albert Grossman and Paul Fishkin were you around back that time? Did of you course. get to meet those guys? Or oh yeah, I, I spoke yeah. to them multiple times every day for years. Yeah.
1: That's I cool. did
2: all. Yeah, you know, and once I once I took over Todd's career and Utopia's career in '76. Uh, uh, you know that uh, Paul and Albert were the two people I had to negotiate everything with. You know until 1989 when we, uh, you know, when we left the label. Wow. Yeah. Hey, Eric. Yeah.
3: One of the things you mentioned very quickly was that you look after the Utopia archives. What what, what does that well, mean? Well, well,
2: all I mean is is that because Utopia is not an active band, recording or touring band,
3: uh-huh.
2: uh, but uh, but it still falls since I represented them since as a band since you know for you know 34 years now. Um, so uh, you know they they own a lot of content and they also and also there is content owned by other record companies who, when they put compilation records together or want to reissue stuff, require the band's permission. Uh. And so they come to me to seek that permission.
3: Gotcha. So that, okay. that's that's is, there, is there any way that that any of us will ever see the professionally shot uh, footage of the Raw Tour?
2: There was no professionally shot tour, uh, footage of the Raw Tour.
3: Oh, there
0: wasn't?
2: Uh, no, there uh we, we there was one show we played at an at the Arcasanti Festival in Arizona. Uh which was shot and then there was uh but it wasn't shot professionally. It was you know, it was kind of a lame thing. Uh I mean we still have those tapes, uh, but they're they're really not broadcast quality. And then the only other show, complete show that was shot was at Cleveland uh was in Cleveland uh and uh and that was um and if I recall they uh the people that were shooting it uh misplaced a camera when I say misplaced, I don't mean lost, but they placed it in the wrong position, and because it was a locked off camera without an operator, one of the one of the poles of the pyramid obstructed the camera it was right in the middle of the, of the shot. Ah. And and so, uh, uh, you know, rendering most of that footage essentially useless. We oh. do have a promo video of Raw, uh, which we shot at, a, at an airplane hangar uh, in, um, where we rehearsed for the Raw tour. And that, I believe, p- appeared on the desktop collection video, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. Uh, so that's been commercially available. And then the only other thing we did was we did set up the, the, the pyramid on a makeshift stage outdoors in Woodstock for a BBC uh, crew that was visiting Woodstock, doing a story on Woodstock uh, for um, uh, the, a show called The Old Grey Whistle Test. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and Todd did uh, Sing Ring. Todd and Utopia performed Sing Ring. Uh, and the and we do have that footage we don't have the rights to it the bbc owns that but also that night uh... todd had a really really bad case of the flu and had like a hundred and three temperature during the whole performance and i remember is running off stage at, uh... in between the solos when roger was doing his solo and Cass was doing his solo and willie was doing his solo todd would run back in each time and, and get sick backstage he was so sick Oh my. uh... so uh... that wasn't exactly the best uh... the best condition uh, uh, but that footage does exist. It's it, it was shot on film, not on video, and um, it's uh, you know it's pretty good quality. But the BBC owns that.
4: Well, then and what those, is
2: those, those are the only, as far as I can recall. It's been a long time, you know, over thirty years. But as far as I recall, those are the only times the the raw set was was filmed or videotaped.
3: Oh, okay. Well, there's a couple of things out there on YouTube, but they they may be... Well, that
2: might have been, you know, somebody sinking a camera in, but i got to tell you, in those days, nobody really, you know, candy cams, video cameras didn't exist. Right, right. You know, uh, at least, you know, home versions of them. Camcorders didn't exist. So I don't know what they were using, but uh,
3: mm. anyway. Better, uh, better add that to your list. <laughs> Go check that out. Yeah,
1: so the BBB owns the rights to it, and they probably would never even think about playing it, I wouldn't think.
2: <laughs> yeah, the BBC, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, perhaps, perhaps. It's only one song. It's only singing. Mm-hmm.
3: You know,
2: uh, uh, they you know they did produce the TV show. The TV show was a one-hour or two-hour special and included interview footage with Todd in the studio and stuff like that. But they also interviewed Foghat, and they also interviewed other Bearsville artists. Um, and 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 there was a tour of the you know of the Bearsville and, and Woodstock area that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it ended up being a, a, an, an actual special on TV. Uh, but as I say, we don't own it, and we were only a very small part of it.
3: Mm.
1: Okay. All right. There you go. Now we know. I was. I want to get into some of the things you did before that. Uh, before I forget, since we brought up Albert Grossman, w- what is Sally Grossman's role now with Todd's music? Uh, specifically, well, Sally, Grossman,
2: Sally Grossman inherited uh, all of Albert's assets when when Albert died, and uh, you know, and so Sally owns all the old masters, all the old everything, all the Bearsville masters, Todd masters, and Utopia masters, and, um, uh, and but she is pretty inactive these days, and she let she sublicensed all those domestic distribution rights to Rhino Records. And so Rhino is, uh, uh, has the distribution rights to those. Okay. So does Todd have to room? approve any of
1: those things being released? Sorry. Does Todd have to approve any of those things? Do they get do whatever they well,
2: want. Well, uh, uh, ah, boy, you're testing my memory again. I believe since I didn't do that deal, I didn't do the Bearsville deal because that predated my involvement. But it would have been unusual in those days, in the early '70s, for the artist to actually have approval rights. Mm-hmm. But as a courtesy, uh, they've always given us approval rights, even though they're, they're not contractual.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. So I'm going to skip ahead again because this, this this subject <laughs> is something that we
1: people ask a lot about. I know you've seen the Carnival Cruise Line commercials, probably with bang on the drum. I have. Does, does Todd? Uh, if it's none of our business, that's fine. But does Todd get a cut of that? Does he get anything? Well, for yeah, that?
2: that's a that's a copyrighted. Uh, I mean, you know, that's. That, that's copyrighted material. They can't. Nobody can use it without uh, a license. Mm-hmm. And Todd granted a license.
3: Okay. So well, it's a great commercial series. I will say, it's lots <laughs> yeah. of fun to hear Todd on my television. hmm I know. Cool. <laughs> well, that kind of brings up another topic. Uh, I was watching a TV show the other night called The United States of Terra on Showtime, and they mentioned Todd's name just in a conversation. Uh, do they have to ask permission for that kind of thing? To mention his name. Uh huh. But not play his music. Just mention no. his name in a comment. No. No.
2: Anybody? No. In a. Nope. It's a First Amendment right. Say anything you want.
3: Oh. Okay. Well, by the <laughs> way, he was mentioned on that show, and it was a really, it was a really funny little mention. Cool. Yeah.
1: Do Do you know why some people think that Todd had sold bang the drum to Disney at one point?
2: Uh, that's odd.
1: Yeah, that's a rumor that's been around for a while.
2: Yeah, well, uh, untrue, promise.
1: <laughs> All right, very good. Well, hey, we've got a caller already, and uh, if you don't mind, we'll take that, and then we'll get into some stuff about the talent management. So let's see what we've okay. got here. 571, you're with us.
5: Hey, Doug, it's Mark Moretti in Rhode Island, formerly D.C. Hi, Mel. Hi, Mark. And hi, Eric. Hello. Hello. Um, question going back to your raw stuff um my first concert ever was raw at brown university in providence rhode island in november of 77 and that was broadcast for the radio and i was wondering if that exists still anywhere and is or will be available anytime in the future
2: uh it does exist and uh i i uh I was usually successful in those days you know, when I made radio simulcast arrangements uh-huh. that we would, uh, that in exchange for the rights to broadcast the show, instead of their paying any money, uh, that we um, uh, that, uh, uh, that that we end up owning the uh, the tapes, uh, the master tapes, and so we 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 did that probably I would guess maybe a hundred or two hundred times. Uh, maybe even more and so we have uh you know we have a whole library of those live kinds of tapes, some of which have been released uh, and uh and some of which haven't mm-hmm. uh, so we're uh we are in the process of uh, of sifting through all those uh unreleased live videotapes and audio tapes and seeing if um, uh, we're in we're in discussions with a uh, with a company to see if they're uh, if if it makes sense to uh, if it makes sense to release those, if guys, I p- really apologize. I got to put you on hold for one second.
1: No no problem. Must be important to call. It phones are ringing. You know, I want to ask you, Marcus. You know, good good question about whether or not they're going to do that. There's those songs on Rhapsody. I don't know if you've seen them, but uh, that are not on any albums. Utopia and Todd stuff that's been released. So I'll be curious to see if if that's something that um, you know they had something to do with or not.
5: Yeah, I've seen some uh, some shows on disc being sold on Amazon, and I wonder if they're coming from the same source.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, Utopia shows uh, from the seventies, and uh, I man, that was my first show. I was thirteen years old, and I would give anything to get a copy of it.
1: Yeah, so there's not a bootleg out,
3: huh?
5: Um, well I had one many 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 years ago, but it was recorded off the radio uh with a little handheld cassette recorder and the tape long ago died. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, uh I got uh, hey, now uh, hey, Hi. I um Okay, I uh that was actually uh uh a call which requires me to try to make another call real fast to uh uh because uh, someone needs to get into a gate and they're being locked. Like, uh, <laughs> All right, let's we'll take one a quick commercial break. Actually, no problem. One of my clients is actually trying to in, get into a gate, so if you, I'm huh. going to put you on hold. I really, everybody who's listening, I really apologize. I'll be back in 30 seconds. Okay. No problem. All right, we'll take a commercial yeah,
5: thanks, break.
0: Thanks, Eric. Hang tight, Mark. We'll be right back.
5: And good night, Doug and if Mel. If you're listening and everyone. to
3: Run Radio, you are amongst the coolest humans, or maybe aliens, in the universe.
6: We don't do this every day.
2: All the course special audience. Hi, this is John
7: Forensic, and you're listening to RundgrenRadio.com. Live online talk radio for Todd fans.
4: This is Rundgren Radio
1: All right, we're back. This is Rungle Radio. We're waiting on Eric Gardner, our special guest.
3: Uh, He's a very busy man. Mark Ma'am? hung up. We could have interviewed him for a little bit. <laughs> yeah,
1: we sure could have. Ask him what he thought about New Year's Eve. So yeah. we've got Eric on hold because he has some business to handle because he has lots of business clients, as we've discussed already. And we haven't even really got into some of that stuff. know The Tokyo Archives information was interesting. The, the Disney rumor, false. That was interesting. Learning lots of stuff already.
3: That's right. That's right. Yeah. By the way, everybody, the call-in number when he comes back is 646-716-9262 on rungriddenradio.com. Dot com.
1: We're going to dig into some stuff, though, real quick as soon as he comes back because I don't want to lose him and not get this information. But I know a lot of people are dying to know. I know I am anyway, so maybe I'm being selfish. But what exactly talent management means, what does he do, what does he not do? Because there's a lot of confusion out there you know, does Eric book Todd's gigs, is he responsible for promotions of gigs, is he responsible for promotions of arena, you know, did he get his record deal with Hi-Fi, maybe we'll ask him what he thinks about Hi-Fi records, of course he probably can't comment on that too much, but uh, that's the kind of information you definitely want to know about is what he does and doesn't do so we can clear the air on that, because I think there's tons of confusion about exactly what he, he really does and what he doesn't do and what he's responsible for and what he's not. And it'll be fun to find out. Then maybe we'll
2: get uh, some... Hey, uh, guys, I'm back.
1: Hey, all right, good deal. We were just telling folks what we want to talk about next, which is there's always confusion when, Todd fans, you know how we talk, uh, about what it is exactly that you do and don't do. So mm-hmm. I'm going to ask some questions. Some of them I know the answer to, some I don't. But just so that we get everything out, uh, I want to see if we can... Kind of educate people about what it is exactly you're responsible for or not. And I want to start with one that we got a lot of comments about where Todd goes on tour, and from my understanding, that's really not your role; it's a, a booking agent's role. Is that correct? Well, the booking agent works
2: at my direction, so uh, uh, you know, uh, I I pretty much do the uh, the 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 planning, and then I call the booking agent and I say, okay, look, here's what we're looking to do. We have this happening. We want to. We want to play the Northeast and the Southeast in March, and we want to do this and do that. Then the booking agent goes out and gets whatever offers he can get, and then we go through them, and then we start the approval process.
1: Okay, so you do actually pick the areas that they go on, like say the South or the West Coast or whatever. That's your responsibility. Yeah, response yeah
2: sometimes, to them? sometimes I make that 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 proactive decision. Sometimes it just happens to be which venues are available at which times.
1: Hmm. So how would you pick? Like, for example, how did you pick? you know, Birmingham and these places for this upcoming one, what was the decision behind that?
2: Uh, there was, uh, uh, Todd and I decided that, uh, that that we wanted to go out for, you know, another three or four-week run in the spring. And uh, and so the process is first we check on the availability of the band members, then we check on the availability of the crew members. for, And then I call up the booking agent and I say, okay, we're looking to go out uh, mid-March till, you know, mid-April or mid-March till, or, you know, the third week in March till the last week of April in this case. And, um, uh, and, then, uh, and then he starts soliciting offers from the promoters and checking venue availabilities and all of that. And then a couple of weeks later he's got the outline of a, of a run and he, he sends it to me and then we go through it and we fine-tune it. And, and uh, then I run it past Todd and then ultimately it gets approved.
1: So when let's say,
2: for example, let's take Memphis.
1: Whose responsibility is it if the show is going to be promoted in that town?
2: I'm the, not sure I understand the question. Who's like, is to do what? If there's going to be a, a newspaper
1: ad or a TV ad in Memphis for the Memphis Todd Show,
2: uh-huh. who
1: is responsible for making that happen? Is that the venue? That's the promoter. The promoter? The
2: promoter's job is to promote the show. That's why they're, mm-hmm. yeah, hence the name promoter. Mm-hmm. You know, and part of the part of the uh, part of what goes along with promoting the show is the marketing and the promotion and advertising of the date. You
6: mm-hmm. know,
2: and and it's the promoter's decision whether that's best. The you know, we rely on the promoters to know their own markets better than we know their own markets. And so the promoter then uh, uh, puts together a uh, a promotional plan. Uh, he's going to buy this many radio spots, he's going to buy this many print ads, he's going to buy this many quarter page print ads, this many eighth page print ads, this many half page print ads, here are the publications he's going to uh, do it in. Uh, and then if there's a radio station that wants to actually co-promote, put their name on the show that in exchange for uh, giving extra radio spots uh, you know, there, that's another possibility. And then uh, does the radio station want to do a contest or a giveaway uh, in, uh, in, in, in exchange for even more radio spots? And these are all, and this happens in every single market. Uh, and then ultimately, I approve the marketing plan from each, from each promoter, but I don't create the marketing plan. The, the promoter creates the marketing plan.
1: Mm-hmm. So you do play
2: a role in it, though, obviously.
1: And does the venue get involved in that at all? As for as is the money owner it not it
2: unless or? it's a self promoted venue not unless the venue is the promoter but that doesn't happen very often doesn't happen much now, so that that happens it happens with what are called performing arts centers you know mm-hmm. uh but it doesn't happen much with clubs ballrooms or theaters usually there's an outside promoter that comes in and rents the room
1: so if a gig has a light crowd <laughs> who gets the blame <laughs> who gets in trouble well, it, like, sure, uh,
2: nobody really gets in trouble. I think Todd has been around long enough uh, to realize that it's nobody's fault. Uh, the only way it would be somebody's fault is if they said that they were going to buy, you know, 30 radio spots and they only bought five radio spots. Um, you know, but if they lived up to the marketing plan, and you know, you can only, you know, you can only do so much to induce people to come to a show. And right. uh, you know, so some some shows do great, some shows don't do so great. As long as the effort's being made and it's marketed properly, there's really nothing you can do. Right. But we don't lose the money. The promoter loses the money.
1: So do you get involved at all or have any discussions, Todd about things like the stage set up, the set list, any of that stuff, or is that kind of whatever he does? No, out?
2: not the set list. Uh, I, 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 I've, I've, I can count on one hand probably the number of times I made suggestions with respect to a set list, and those were usually for TV shows. Mm-hmm. Um, no, No, I don't – I usually – you know some of my clients want me involved creatively on on every single creative decision. Todd's not one of them. That's fine with me mm-hmm. okay so that's, that's how fine. that works. Get to it, record a record you make a new album. I don't hear the album till it's done till it's finished.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah so i'm gonna i gotta ask this or they'll kill me over there There's a lot of fans in the u k and they're always asking you know. Why Todd hasn't been over there as much, and there was a big gap at one point. Apparently, a nearly human tour wasn't over there. Is that something that is that your decision on that too, or?
2: Well, it's not a question of a decision. It it, it was probably something. It was probably more a case of uh, of just market economics and demand, supply and demand. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, uh, uh, you know, Todd loves touring overseas. He loves touring in England specifically. Um, You know, it just. Market congi- conditions just weren't right for a period of time there, or it was uh, for career, for more macrocosmic career reasons. There may have been things that, that he was doing in the United States or elsewhere that uh, bent would benefited him more in the long run than to hop over and do you know ten days in England. Right. So uh, it, you know, it certainly wasn't a question of ignoring England. We love England. Uh it was just happenstance that there was a period of time there where it just didn't work out.
1: Gotcha. Okay, well speaking of overseas, we tried to get all the answers from our buddy Leno, but we had a little communication problem. <laughs> we weren't able to do everything we wanted. Could you tell us a little bit about how this Patty Pravo deal went down? For yeah, Todd to go over um, to Italy
2: for one thing? Excuse me. Um, uh yeah, we, we got an email from, from Leno. Uh saying that he, he had been approached or had been in discussions with Patti Pravo's record company and management company and that Patti Pravo was doing um, an, uh, making an appearance at the San Remo Music Festival, which is a very prestigious music festival. happens every year. And wanted to know if Todd would be interested in accompanying her on one song, uh, playing guitar and uh, doing background vocals. And uh, so... Eventually, that worked out, and we did it. Or she no. did it. All right, we enjoyed it. We got to see
1: it on YouTube and all that good oh, stuff. Oh, cool! Yeah, very good. Okay, we got a couple callers. We'll, we'll take those right quick, if you don't mind. We got one from seven hundred eight area code. Hey, Doug. Hey.
6: My name's Rich, and I'm from Chicago. And uh, I am going to see Todd in Orlando on spring break here. My oh. year of trek to go down to Disney speaking at Disney and um, I have a question uh, you know I see a lot of uh, videos on YouTube Todd shows uh, people videotaping and I wonder what the deal is on that Does well uh, it's
2: actually it's actually in our contracts there's a standard provision not only in our contract but in pretty much every uh, musician's contract that it's the promoter's responsibility. To uh, prevent any videotaping uh, or audio recording at the shows. Now, that's in there, but it's, these days it's extremely difficult to monitor with, you know, high-quality cell phone video capability, etc. Um, so, uh, but it, it is the promoter's legal responsibility to prevent that from happening. And it's, but it's almost impossible these days.
6: Yeah, I was wondering, you know, how Todd felt about that, because, you know, it, it's really, uh, I didn't get to see the arena tour last year, but this, you know, now that he's going back out, I'm going to be uh, front row down in Orlando there, and, um, you know, I saw a lot of the songs on YouTube, which I thought was great, because, you know, uh, if if he doesn't come to town or something, you, you get to see what's going on, but uh, being from Chicago, Todd's always here, which is you know, I've seen him several times—New Year's Eve shows. He played back in the '80s a lot here, so I was just wondering—you know, what what his—you uh, know—if uh, you know if it was—you uh, know, illegal or
2: it it is illegal. Okay.
6: Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, you know, but... you
3: know when uh, if you can find it out there on the YouTube from the New Year's show, and Todd did point to the crowd and he said, now no fat videos out there. (laughs) So apparently he does have a rule.
2: (laughs) No fat videos. But but also, uh, when you say you didn't get a chance to see the arena show, but you watched a little bit of it on YouTube, uh, we did broadcast almost a complete arena show on HDNet uh, earlier this year in January.
6: Right, I'm trying to, I've got Comcast, so I'm trying to get a copy of that. (laughs) My friend has the dish, but... uh...
2: Right, you know, well, I'm can, going to be
6: able to see it front row and uh you know, it it's going to be fantastic. And then well, I, can, I
2: I can give you a bit of hope on that front and that is that uh sometime in the next 4 or 5 months uh the uh the entire concert will be out on DVD. Yay! Awesome. The HD Net concert, right? Uh, well, yeah, but the 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 portion of the concert that was broadcast on HD Net, mm-hmm. they only had a certain amount of time that they could devote to our show. Right. which was like, I don't know, 58 minutes or something like that, or 70 minutes, I can't remember. And the show, of course, was longer than that, so we had to cut a lot of numbers. Mm-hmm. So we are going to release the entire thing on DVD.
1: Excellent. Well, Mercenary Action was cut out, so we'll get to see that. Very good.
2: Yeah, Courage was cut out as well. Yeah,
1: that's mm, not good. All right, well, good. That'll be out, so people can buy that eventually if you can't get it on HD Net.
6: Great. Right. Uh, Doug, I... Really uh, enjoy all these podcasts. Well, I, you know, I, I kind of uh, just happened upon this show, and then uh, last year on the drive down to Disney World, I put a bunch of podcasts on my iPod. <laughs> caught up. So Tom really awesome. uh Todd <laughs> is God, and uh, you know I'm a huge fan, and met him several times, and he's a great guy. So uh,
1: right, good deal. Hey, thanks for calling. Enjoy that Orlando show on the front row. I will. Watch out. Uh, let, me one, one, now, let me let me ask
2: you one don't hang up, let me ask you one question. Okay. Uh so you're driving all the way to Orlando even though he's playing at the Park West?
6: Oh yeah, yeah, we go to uh Disney World every year. Oh
2: okay. And usually
6: okay. nobody's ever playing down in Orlando. There's a House of Blues right in downtown Disney there. Mhm. And uh this year we're doing back to back shows. Hart's playing at the House of Blues the night before Todd and then we're going to see Todd. Cool. Next night. So it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a rocking time down there.
1: Yeah, just I, I, see
6: it. I may try to catch them at Park West too. And Definitely. uh also there's a tribute band playing at Park West, uh it's called Tribute to Saurus and they're doing an X T C uh tribute. And wow. I, I was thinking that Todd was gonna be in town for that, but hmm. uh they're not gonna cross paths. But probably uh, not. You know, but uh, yeah. there's this band in Chicago that does uh, tributes to uh, certain artists like Pink Floyd. Anyway, they're playing the Park West, and they're doing uh it's on the uh, Chalk Hills uh, website. Chalk cool. Hill. Hey,
1: man, I, I would do, if, you're gonna, if you're thinking about going to Park West, which I highly recommend. I heard those are great shows. Uh, you better get on it because those sell out every time.
2: Oh, yeah, I know. Got, yeah, it's such a small venue, yeah. yeah.
6: I've, uh, I've played Bang on the – Bang the drum with Todd on stage there. So, And I chased him back to the Ritz one night <laughs> after the show, uh, one of the first times I saw him, and awesome. uh, chased him down Michigan Avenue and uh, yeah. got to meet I him it. and actually left my checkbook with him, and he, I guess, gave it back to the Park West because I had him sign my ticket and had my checkbook out so he could write on it. <laughs> and the uh, next day I couldn't find my checkbook, and then the Park West called me. So,
1: uh, Any checks missing?
6: No, <laughs> no, that's good. No. Very good.
1: He's on. <laughs> well, uh, hey, appreciate no, you know, sure the call. Have a good uh, time in Orlando.
6: All right. that'll I will, uh, I right. will uh, keep listening and enjoy it.
1: All right, great. Thanks.
6: Bye.
1: All right, very good. Park West, yeah, that's that's actually, uh, you know, General Mission. So they get a lot of people in there. I know it sells out, and everybody raves about what a great venue that is, and what you know what a great group of Todd fans go to those shows. So, yep. Hopefully he'll make that one. All right, so we got another call from area code 617. You're with us. Hey, before that, let me ask you a quick question. Somebody asked in the chat room wanted to know, that video that you're talking about with the Net show, would have the interviews as well like they had on the HDNet uh,
2: show? Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, we we just made that decision yesterday.
1: Yeah, that's we, we really enjoyed those. Yeah. Okay, 617, you're with us. Uh, hello,
2: Eric. Yeah, yeah, hi, you're in Boston.
0: Hi. Yeah,
2: this well, is uh,
0: Bill Salome. How you guys doing? Great. Hi, Bill. Hey, um <coughs> Eric, did you have uh, a hand in getting Todd um, pl- to play at the UN?
2: Yes, uh, he did. One World.
0: Yes, and he did, this um, Estrada as well.
2: Yep, yeah, that's exactly right.
0: Right, right on the very podium where Khrushchev, banged the shoe and you know Bush said we have to go to Iraq. You know, Todd singing those two songs right there on his uh, acoustic guitar.
2: Yeah, that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> Any thoughts about that,
2: or uh? Uh, I hadn't hadn't thought of it in many many years, but uh, it's uh, we do actually have, uh, I believe, have a very poor quality video of that as well. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you so, know, uh, it was just uh, it was just a terrific platform for Todd for those two particular songs, which are so lyrically relevant. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah,
0: definitely. I uh, I bumped into Todd the next day in Toronto. He played a solo show the day after that, and he said that there was some guy going around as an Eric Gardner impersonator. <laughs>
2: Did you
0: ever hear about that?
2: Uh, I am vaguely now that you mention it, yes, but I probably have not thought of it in 20 years. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: it, it had happened like. I that hope the guy, guy was day. better.
2: I hope the guy was better looking than I am.
0: We don't know, but like he said, like some guy was going to a Motley Cro Motley- oh, Eric yeah, Motley Crue, that. that's
2: right. Yeah, that's right. Said, I do remember that. <laughs> and
0: he said, I'm Eric Gardner. And and people were, like, opening up their doors and saying, oh, right this way. Yeah,
2: actually, I do recall that. That was pretty funny. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. Awesome. We're going way back. Yeah. Uh, see you later. Nice talking to you.
1: Okay, you too. Hey,
0: thanks, thanks. for calling in, Bill. Sure. Appreciate you. Yep.
1: All right. Got another caller. I think this may be O.C. Sherry. I'm not sure. Your number's showing up weird. So, if you're on hold, you're with us. Hello. Hello.
4: Hi, this is Bob from the San Fernando Valley, right around the corner from Eric. Hey, Bob. How you doing, Eric? Swell. How about you? I'm doing fine. Uh, hi, Doug and Mel. Thanks for the opportunity to speak to Eric.
1: Sure. Hey, hi. thanks for calling in.
4: Eric, uh, I uh, had a couple questions. The most obvious and quickest one is uh, we're going to get to see our boy this year in uh, Los Angeles, California. Uh, is
2: that a question? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the answer is uh, the answer is yes, uh, but I but I I don't know in 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 what setting yet. There's one thing I do know, and this I believe has already been announced uh, uh, somewhere. We didn't announce it, but I believe someone did. Uh, that uh, May first, second, and third. Todd is going to be making an appearance at the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp in Los Angeles.
1: Yes, mm-hmm.
2: uh, and um, so that, you know, so the answer to your que- the short answer, technical answer to your question is yes. Whether or not later in the year we're going to uh, do a West Coast run of shows, that's something we're looking at right now, but we haven't uh, 100% decided whether we're going to do it yet or not. Uh, it depends on a, on several other possible uh, 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 opportunities for Todd that that we're going to weigh all of them, but it's it is our intent to do that.
4: I see. Um, and what? Uh, forgive me for not knowing. Perhaps it's obvious. What is the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp? Is that that TV show thing?
2: No, it's not a TV show. It's something. That, there's this guy named David Fishoff. And David Fischoff founded the rock and roll fantasy camp. And what it is is kinda of like baseball fantasy camp. Ah, where, right. You know, where 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 you pay a lot of money to spend a few days with your favorite baseball players. Right, with Joe DiMaggio know, they, or they, Todd
4: Rundgren. <laughs> and
2: they teach you how to bat and they teach you how to run, and they teach you how to catch, and they give you tips and you you know, and, and it's just, you know, it's like, you know, your gigantic baseball fantasy come through come true. So this guy David Fischoff started a rock and roll fantasy camp, gosh, probably eight or nine, ten years ago. And sometimes it's in L.A., sometimes it's in New York, sometimes it's in London. And in fact, it was in London uh, last time Todd was playing in London, uh, f- uh, last year. And, uh, and Todd dropped by and, uh, uh, and you know, thought it was pretty cool. He'd heard about it for years. And so David asked if Todd would formally make an appearance um, at the L.A. camp, Which is May one, two, and three.
4: I see. So unless we join, unless we sign up for the camp, obviously we won't. There's not going to be a show that the rest of us will have the option to hear. I believe that's
2: the case. I mean, this is a business that David runs. You can probably Google Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp or David Fishoff, F I S H O F, and uh, and you can get all the uh, details. But
0: but I I believe
2: I believe it's really expensive. Yeah, yeah I heard there was a show though that was open to the
1: public. I don't know what kind, but like a concert at the end of this deal that people could go to. Maybe that's not true, but i don't you yeah. know I don't know how it works. Uh, so I don't want dollars per f- student plus you know, and then they got a spouse rate of about seven hundred <laughs> to <laughs> go along
4: yeah well a little little rich for my blood, and I don't want to see a bunch of. Plunkers up there with Todd. I want to see Todd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. but that, that, you know what? If I was interested, we'll go to the, go to the camp. So hopefully, uh, we, I haven't missed him in thirty years. So let's hope that uh, let's hope that we get an opportunity yeah, to boy, see him and sometime. Boy,
2: you so
4: young. <laughs> all all pleasures to you. Uh, all, all respect to you for that. Boy, did I get did I fool you? I just want to say a couple other quick things and, and a question. Uh, my first Todd concert was the raw. Uh, tour it wasn't my first concert like the other guy i'm not that young but it was my first uh, uh todd and utopia show and uh, i'll just bore the audience real quick and say that i didn't even think a friend that had a ticket who was reviewing for the college newspaper i didn't think i was interested i at that time i was a heavy guy listening to you know elp and yes and classical music and jazz and i don't listen to rock and uh he took me to Todd, and uh, it blew my mind. And Todd, of course, incorporates all everything in his music. And I've he's been my number one
2: artist ever since that day. Changed where my was, life. Where was that show? That was at the Santa Monica Civic. I was just going to say, I remember that show very well. We got changed. Changed my there. life. Changed yeah, we, my
4: life. It was amazing, amazing show.
2: Eric, I have to ask you uh, 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 about
4: Todd in this sense, uh, not sort of the obvious follow up to something, anything, thing that people have talked about so many times but in 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 other ways when Todd is making a decision about what to do and you and you feel that it may it may or may not be his best artistic decision for him and that that's really for him to decide but you just, you know that let's say financially it may not be the commercially speaking let's say it may not be the best decision mm-hmm. um is that is that a uh, is that a difficult conversation or it's very easy that you just lay it out for him and he says well I'm going to I'm going to make whatever decision and then you're like fine as long as I gave you the facts you do what you want to do kind of thing how does that go
2: well you know uh for a lot of managers uh you know they're they they shy away from um uh having those kinds of of, of difficult conversations because they're frankly afraid of being fired Uh, But what they are actually doing by shying away from those conversations is doing their client a tremendous disservice uh, because it's a manager's, one of a manager's functions is to, uh, is to advise and uh, from a a business side of things. And a lot of times an artist doesn't want to hear that uh, because it's, it flies in the face of what, of their creative vision. Uh, But Todd and I have had, I don't know how many hundreds of conversations like that over the, over the decades. And, um, uh, I have no hesitation or shyness at all about having those conversations with him. Uh, and, uh, and sometimes he takes my advice, and sometimes he doesn't. Simple as that. But I fulfilled my responsibility to him by, by alerting him to possible problems with, if, if he decides to go with, down a certain path. So as long, as I've, done, as, long as I've done that, I, I've, I've done my job. I, I can't convince him not to do something.
4: Right, given the relationship you've had with him, you've been with him so long, and there obviously is a lot of respect and just experience that's, you know, you guys have done a lot together over uh, decades. So it's actually probably, it's not a particularly uh, even a painful conversation for you, right? Because you just simply, you lay it out to him best that you, best as you see it, right?
2: Yeah, pretty much, yeah. That's what he's come to expect. And I think he actually, even though he whines about it a lot and, and uh, you know, that, uh uh, you know that I'm uh spoiling his fun uh you know I think down down deep he appreciates the fact that that there's someone around to give him the straight scoop
4: one one more thing I, I just want to say before I go uh obvi- some of us out there and uh, among Todd fans are are audiophiles if that isn't too pompous a term and so we were collectors of mobile fidelity and Japanese pressings in the old days and,
2: yep, and that and kind both. of thing
4: yeah, I li- used to love Mobile Fidelity, and, and the Japanese pressings were a good high-quality vinyl when the American vinyl sucked in the late 70s. I, I actually
2: favored English pressings myself, but go ahead.
4: Yeah, yeah, right, the the English, the old, like, the old Beatle pressings. But anyway, the my, my question for you is, uh, uh, I would like to see Todd available, more of his music available as high-res downloads, and I think the whole subject of high-res downloads, the surface has barely been... Scratch and obviously what you typically download um, sounds like crap. And if you just pay it com- compared to a straight up CD, your regular CD that you buy at the store is going to sound better than a than the download. What's the future look like? Uh, are you pursuing that in any way, or how's that go? Uh,
2: well, we're not overtly pursuing it anyway, uh, but we would love to uh, find a uh, you know a, a, a company to partner with that offered uh, you know audio HD or or high high def downloads, uh, um, you know the uh, when we deliver uh, when when I deliver audio files of Todd's music to a movie company or a TV company, we deliver AIFF files,
8: mm-hmm.
2: and, and those are those are you know about as high quality as you can get these days, right? And, you know that uh, and uh, you know so I think AIFF would probably be the next evolutionary step as opposed to uh, you know regular 44k stuff.
4: Well, I look forward to it. Keep keep doing what you're doing. I I want Todd to be like uh, the old black blues man. I want him to quit. I want him to uh, die on stage uh, 50 years from now.
2: You know. Uh, <laughs> uh, that that would be wonderful if that were to happen. I mean, really thanks would. for the time, I Eric. I don't want him to die, but 50 years from yeah. now, he's gonna be 100 and something years old. So. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. 110 years old. So. Yeah. Thank uh, you for the time, Eric. Okay, hey, man. Too, thanks nice for the talking. call. Good question. Take
0: care.
3: Thank you, Keep Bob. Hey, tight, Eric, Bob, you, when you were talking to Bob, you said something about that uh, you do try to advise Todd whether he takes the advice or not. I was wondering, what what crossed your mind when you first heard that he was going to have a couple of hundred fans at his home last summer for Todd's stock? Uh,
2: well, I saw it uh, simultaneously as an opportunity and uh, and also a potential nightmare, frankly yeah <laughs> but, uh, but, but, a but you know what uh uh todd fans as a general rule uh as i've observed them uh over all these years are amongst the uh the most respect respectful uh well behaved uh civilized group of of you know subculture group that uh that I could imagine and uh and sure you know it's you know I I mean the only thing that was going through my mind oh my god it's a week long party uh you know what about liability if people get really drunk what about liability if people or you know uh, uh get too high uh and and get injured those are the kind of things that were going through my mind but I never for an instant thought that anybody there would be any deliberate trouble uh because uh, you know the 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 fans as a as a as a substrata of society are you know are are really utopian. You know,
3: well, there was certainly a lot of drinking going on, but I don't think anyone really got that, hurt. I don't That's know what I understand. I, I really
2: wanted to be there, but I had had knee surgery a couple weeks earlier, and I and the doctor wouldn't let me get on a plane. So. Okay. Oh well, that hey, was my
3: next question: was why weren't you there? Uh, that's yeah. why.
2: Now you know. Speaking of fans,
1: I had one text me and said that the. Fantasy camp, you can go at the Whiskey Rock and Roll Fantasy Final Jam. It's 40 bucks. So there is a gig at the end of that camp that's open for the public. Oh, there you go. I would uh, Google Whiskey Jam in, in California and it'll probably pull up. But uh, the, the caller mentioned the blues. Uh, do you know much about this Robert Johnson thing? Is that going to happen?
2: It is eventually going to happen.
1: It's Todd, me. I mean, I don't know, maybe too personal, but it seems like, I don't know, I get the feeling he's just not into it that much. I thought it'd be right up his alley, but I. I don't get the feeling just because of the delay and the lack of conversation about it that
2: i yeah, i i don't think i think it's less uh about enthusiasm and more about time management
1: mhm uh
2: you know so it, it, we're looking for a, a window to do it
1: yeah it's a, it's a, Robert Johnson is a fascinating story i mean it's really the you know it's it's created an opportunity for Todd fans to look into this guy and it's amazing the the whole story about him and how early he died, and the mystery surrounding him, and there's a real good article in Vanity Fair this month uh, about him, and this, this maybe the possible only third picture of him that's out there. It's it's some wild stuff, but um, hopefully that'll get out soon. That'd be fun. I'd, I'd love to see it, you know, live recording session, kind of like Second Wind and Nearly Human that we could go watch. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it might be wishful thinking. But anyway, I'll put that bug in here. Okay. Uh, I want to get some questions that were we had a lot on email in different places on TRC and whatnot. And one of them is, always ask about Patronet. Do you have any uh, information on Patronet or updates on that? Is it pretty much done, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah you know, as usual, you know, Todd was uh, way out in front, and the people way out in front usually get the arrows in the back, as Todd's fond of saying. And um, so uh, Patronet was a uh, uh, just a few years too early. Um, excuse me. Sorry. Um... Anybody tuning in late? I've been I've been home in bed all day, <laughs> nice, so forgive my coughing. Um, I um, uh, but we um, we are in the process of um, of partnering with a company that uh, uh, that can that that we expect will uh, uh, provide many of the same services that that the original patronet mission statement said said we're going to be Provided, and uh, uh, so we're we're working on that arrangement now, and uh, I would say within the next six months, there's a pretty good chance that uh, uh, that that Todd will have a significant online presence again, uh, with a high degree of interactivity, and like uh, as as Patronet was in, uh, intended to do, way back when.
1: Awesome. Now, there's also some news on the on the. MySpace, which we love, Lynn, and the MySpace page. She's doing a great job. We think we're glad you added her to the uh, Panacea Entertainment and all the stuff tied. It's been a lot of fun seeing her blogs, and she mentioned something about possible um, merchandise thing that's going on.
2: Well, that that's then, tied in with the same thing that I just mentioned. Okay. Uh, there would be an online store component to the uh, to the new partnership.
1: Awesome. Okay, so now we were talking earlier too about Utopia Archives and the music Rhapsody has some downloadable songs that were Utopia Live and Todd Live that aren't on CDs. Um, are you that, familiar with yeah. that? Are you guys involved with that? Or how does that uh, work?
2: Excuse me. Uh, that's correct. Um, we uh, uh, we did a, a a deal for a portion of the archive with a company called The Orchard. Uh, the Orchard is an aggregator and distributor probably the largest in the world aggregator and distributor of digital musical content. And so we cherry-picked some of the stuff from the archive and uh and and handed it over to or- Orchard and then Orchard uh spent many months digitizing it all and is only now just starting to distribute uh, it in you know in as kind of a timed release not everything at once. Uh, uh, you know, uh, to various sites around the world. And so that, I believe, is what you're talking about. And that's that's authorized. So we'll see some more of that coming out soon. There will be some more of that coming out.
1: Awesome. Yeah, that's some good stuff, Tokyo and 70s and whatnot. Exactly. Um, So another question that uh, everybody's dying to know. (laughs) I don't know if it's even true because we never actually heard it. But it got mentioned in several articles after it was allegedly said on the radio by Todd in, in like a Norwegian radio station that he was going to do this a Wizard of a True Star total album start-to-finish tour. Do you know anything uh, about okay. this? Okay,
2: uh, uh, let me tell you about that. Uh, when, uh, when Todd did uh, the Liars UK tour, the, uh, one of the promoters who promoted one of the shows in England approached Todd after the show, or before the show, or during the show, you know in, in, you know in the dressing room, or something like that, and said, "I've got an idea. Uh, I think you should do Wizard Start to Finish in the UK." And mm-hmm. I, I the promoter, think it would be a great idea. You know, so Todd emailed me, and and I called the promoter, and we talked about it. This what this is what four years ago or something, three years ago, and uh, and we said we'd be very interested in entertaining an offer, and we never heard back from the promoter again. <laughs> Then uh, he went and did the arena tour of, of England uh, last year. And, uh, and once again, the same promoter was one of the promoters of one of those U.K. shows. And once again, he, he brought it up to Todd again. And so I emailed the guy again, and I said, hey, we, you know, we, we were up for it then or, uh, in terms of get, receiving an offer from you. We're, we remain up for it, please. Happy to get an offer. Still haven't heard anything. Hmm. Okay. So you that, email the price and I'll make so it that's, happen. <laughs> that, that, <that's laughs> They'll make it happen.
1: Record Radio, a watch tour. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Well, what did I guess then you, uh, I guess because they brought it up, though, but do you think that would be the best album for Todd to do, this kind of performance? Is that
2: what advice you Well, you, you know, I I'm not the right person to answer that question. Um I'd be interested in a fan poll, you know, <laughs> uh to see, you know, which album they would like to hear from start to finish and see where uh a Wizard of True Star fits into that poll. Um but uh you know, Todd kind of liked uh the notion that it was that record because that record was you know, his 180-degree turn after something-anything to the dismay of the record company and to the dismay of radio and uh, back then they were hoping for, you know, a follow-up to something-anything in the same vein. And uh, so it's actually a record that's near and dear to Todd's heart because it was so contrary.
1: All right. Well, they they. They do polls a lot on TRC Todd Connection, but that's that's the really hardcore fans I think for the most part, obviously. And mm-hmm. typically, A Watts is the number one album, and then Hermit of Mikalo. Sometimes Tizer is in second place. So Those are the top two on there. But right. you know, if you did a um, you know a, a a poll somewhere else, say MySpace or Facebook, it could be totally different. But right. I think there would be definitely the the people that follow Todd for a long time would love to see that show. That would be pretty big, I don't know how hard it would be for Todd to do that. What kind of offer he would need, but thats uh, they that got a lot of buzz. I'll say that. Which, so does Utopia reunions. I mean, there's a lot of things that people want to see,
3: but you can't have everything you want. I guarantee I think, uh, you, there will be a poll on the TR by midnight tonight. <laughs> cool. Yeah. If a there's watch not one already.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, a watch will definitely win on that one. Um,
3: I don't let me know. Ask you a couple I don't more know. Things. I we got a interesting couple... to see. Yep
1: i got a couple more callers, but I'm going to ask you a couple questions right quick. I want to make sure I knock out. What did you think about Billy James' book on Todd? Did you get a chance to read that?
2: You know I haven't, actually. What should I know about it? Uh, it's it's Well,
1: <laughs> there's a couple things. You know. There's the the things that people didn't like, which were kind of the fonts and some repetitive stuff. But it's really very informative. It's the only one of its kind out there that, that uh, I would say gives a... Uh, detailed story about Todd from start to finish for that time period. I would say that one and the Mojo article Barney Hoskins did in the 90s are the only really thorough stories. Yeah, that
2: Mojo article was good.
1: Yeah, but there's a lot of things about Utopia that, that we're you know we're trying to get to the bottom of it that even they didn't have as much information, but more anybody no, like, else. like like what? Like the diff- like David Mason and some of these people, the Hunt and Tony Sells tour, all these different things that were you know you don't you can't find this online. Well, you can't Dave find made, much that, information about. It.
2: Dave Mason, I can tell you Dave Mason real fast. Uh in um in nineteen seventy seven, I guess it was, uh, I was uh you know, I was managing Bill Wyman. I managed Bill for twenty years from the Rolling Stones and uh and uh Bill's wife, or actually his girlfriend, but they were never married, but his, his sort of wife was uh was friends with Jerry Lewis. And so Jerry Lewis asked her, uh, can you ask Bill if he can put a band together for the Jerry Lewis Telethon in Las Vegas? And so uh, Bill then called me and said, uh, you know, who's available? Let's put something together. And so I said, well, you know... um, a Rolling Stone and a Beatle have never performed publicly on the same stage on television before. Let's call Ringo. So we called Ringo, and Ringo said yes. And then, um, and then, well, we need a rhythm section, uh, and we need a lead singer. And then Bill said, "Well, what about Todd?" And I said, "Sure." And and what about Utopia? And Bill said, "Sure." And so then, um, so then, we had the core: we had Wyman, we had Ringo, we had Utopia. And then we started making a few other calls, and it turned out to be a very eclectic uh, lineup. Uh, I called Dave Mason, and Dave Mason said yes. Uh, and then Dave Mason called Kiki D., who was
0: oh, yeah. Elton John's
2: yeah. female backup vocalist. Yep. Yeah. heart. And then uh, Dave Mason also called Doug Kershaw, who was a Cajun violinist, <laughs> a rock and roll Cajun violinist from from New Orleans Hi. and so and that was the lineup and so uh, Jerry and so we all flew to Las Vegas and it was the first time that a beetle and a stone had been on the same stage together on a television show and um, uh, and 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 Dave was a real uh, a real kinda of hero in this actually because the date two days before the telethon his father died and he still showed up, which was, which was really cool. Wow. Really cool of him. But that's, yeah, the, only Dave, that's the only Dave Mason connection I know about. Yeah. Well, believe it or not, we've got him on the show April 7th. I've talked to him. He
1: seems like a really nice guy. We're going to get to the, some of the information about those times when he was around with Todd. One thing, we, the book and um, a lot of the shows, I think he might be the first person that was introduced to Todd by somebody other than Nicky Klingman.
0: <laughs>
1: uh-huh. I don't, seems like that guy uh, knows everybody. That was a lot in the book, by the way. Movement uh-huh. was all over that book. So,
0: this yeah, that's, right.
1: um, which we didn't even mention in our announcements, Mel. You know, we've talked about Paul Myers has a book on the way, which I'm sure you're familiar with. And I know yeah, Paul,
2: yeah, Paul's uh, yeah. Uh, been doing some recent interviewing with Tom.
1: Yeah. It. It's not going to be, though, an autobiography. A little bit different, more about production. No, it's the more studio. about production. Yeah. And Billy James has another one coming out. It's the 77 through 87 times. So, uh, that's supposed to be out any any day now, we're thinking. So, hopefully, it'll be out soon. But uh a couple more things that we'll get to caller Johnny C and three six zero. What about the uh the new cars? Um that that is we, we pretty much are convinced that's over. Do you think if, if um uh Elliot had not got hurt that, that might have gone on a little bit longer and
2: would have been Yes, without question. Yeah. Elliot getting hurt resulted in the cancellation of an almost already sold out uh outdoor shed tour, summer tour. Wow. Uh, and uh, and when he got hurt, we had to cancel that entire summer tour. He took six months to recover. By the time he was recovered, the momentum was gone. No one was interested anymore.
3: I loved it, though. I thought it. Was we great.
2: loved it. Yeah. Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, I saw several shows, and
1: and would love to see it again, of course. But uh, you win some, you lose some. At least I got to see a few of them. All right, so let's take a couple calls. Eric, I hope you're not uh, feeling too bad. (laughs) Can you hang with us a little bit later? I can last
2: another few minutes All
1: right, Johnny C., you're with us. Johnny C., he's calling in on that that, uh, click to talk, so maybe it's not working. Johnny C., you with us or no? All right, see you later, Johnny C. 360, you're with us, I believe. Well, let me just double check there. Um, All right, 360, you're with us, Area code 360. Hey, this is DC from the 360. Hey, man.
7: How are you guys doing? Great. Well I wanted to shift gears a little bit, Eric, and um discuss a little bit uh, how in the nineties um Sandy Sturgis finished that um Preston Sturgis autobiography. He was of course the great writer and director of uh, Art and I, I knew Sandy very, very, very well. Yeah, and so I i yeah, so that my question several questions are how did you become involved with Sandy? The the, well, involved, involved
2: has a certain connotation. I wasn't really involved <laughs> with her. Um, here's what happened. Project. Okay, here's what happened. It was just a real, it was just really serendipitous and coincidental and had nothing to do with the business. Um, I bought a house in I, I, my first 11 years of, with Panacea, I was in New York based. And uh, by the mid 70s, when I started representing Todd, I found that I had to come out to Los Angeles. At least a couple times a month, and it was ridiculous for Todd to spend hotels or Utopia to spend hotels for me to come out. So and I was coming out so often, I thought I'd better buy a house out here. So I bought a house out here, uh, knowing full well that I was only going to be out here, you know, maybe five or six days a month. So I talked to a friend of mine who owned a, a gallery in Beverly Hills called the Scriptorium. His name was Chuck Sachs. And Chuck uh, was one of the premier um, uh, 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 brokers of historical manuscripts, really museum-quality historical manuscripts, which I happened to collect. I had a, had a, a, a really big collection of them. And I had used Chuck many times to go out and find stuff for me around the world. So I said to Ch- and, so I said to Chuck, um, uh, I've got a um I'm buying this house out here, but I need someone to rent it with the understanding that I can use one of the bedrooms a couple of, a couple of uh you know, like you know, a week out of every month." And he said, "No problem. Chuck was married to Sandy Sturgis. Oh, and gosh. That's, and that's how I knew Sandy.: I see. So this is really kind of a different kind of a project
7: for you, though, because weren't you involved in promotion of the book? or? No, some... I wasn't.
2: I, re- oh, I, I wasn't, no. Uh, I, I read it, but I, I wasn't involved in any way. And and Sandy's son, coincidentally, Tom Sturgis, um, yes. uh, Pres- Sandy and Preston's son, Tom Sturgis, uh, is the president of, uh, of of Universal Publishing, if I'm not mistaken, un- uh uh, he's a, you know, he's the president of a very big pu- music publishing company. I deal with him sometimes, very good. but I, but I really wasn't involved in the, at least so far as I can remember. Unless I'm totally blanking on it, I don't recall, <laughs> I don't recall being involved in, 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 professionally in that project at all. I see. There you go. Um, the mystery's unsolved.
7: Yeah, okay, um, and just a couple more things. I noticed as I was actually kind of waiting, I was scanning the new Rolling Stone, I see that there was a little mention in here of the New York Dolls release yeah, on May the 5th, and they have a little Todd mention in there as well. Ah. So that's in the new issue, just just out. And then relative to the possibility of West Coast shows, might if if that was to take place, would that be like a summer...
2: Fall kind of a thing. We don't know yet. is a yeah. honest okay. answer. Okay. And yeah, we're 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 starting to talk about the summer and the fall now.
1: Come on to the
7: south. Just get on airplanes. <laughs> Cheap. Well, you know, here's here's the deal. I'm I'm up in a secret location somewhere near Seattle, and you know Ooh. we love it up here. Triple Door sells out every Triple time. Triple Door, man. The sellouts are they nothing but good. Yep, uh, I know.
2: Right. Hey, man, thanks for the call. We appreciate that, that's, it. That's that's because it's all Michelle's relatives. <laughs> yeah, <of course. laughs> All
1: right.
0: Thanks, guys. All right,
1: man. Hey, Take thanks here. a lot. Yeah. All right.
2: Bye.
0: Okay. Let's, uh,
1: let's not a few more right quick, and I, I, know you, I know you need to run. I was hoping you could give me a little bit more time, hopefully, here. No, I'm not uh, driving you too crazy, but I was interested in a little bit of, um, I wasn't around at the time, and I've just heard this, that, and other. Um, your involvement with the Utopia Times, how that came about, and what exactly um, was your involvement with that, and can you tell me a little bit about the Utopia Times?
2: It was, that was never an official, um, uh, are you talking about Murph's thing? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh that that wasn't an official relationship. It was really that uh you know uh, every now and again a a a fan uh, uh demonstrates to us a real passion for all things Utopia and all things Todd. And Murph was one of those people. And uh, uh and she asked if 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 we minded whether she would put out a newsletter. And we said you know, sweetheart, you can really do anything you want. You know, it's, it's fine. But she said, uh, you know, can you keep a, uh, can you give me updates? You know, can, can I actually get information from you uh, that we can put in the Utopia Times? And if we have any questions, can we call your office and uh, verify or uh, you know, corrob- for corroboration that what we've heard is true or not true? And I said, sure. And that was really it. She did a great job. Okay, yeah. I think
1: you had some pictures in there. You used to hang out with some of that group a little bit at some of the shows. You went to a lot of the shows back then, right? The
2: uh, I, I did go. I did go to you know some of the shows. Yeah, and uh, and when there was an LA show, we invariably had a party at my house for Todd and whoever was in town, and you know who we could you know uh, trust not to uh, uh, not 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 to precipitate a police raid. Uh, you know, we invited. All right, very good. Okay, you
3: don't... Hello?
2: Yes. No,
3: let me interrupt. Great. Okay, sure. uh, you were asking Doug what he thought of the Utopia Times. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I hope this is a really stupid question, but Eric, what do you think about the fact that there is a Rundgren radio? Oh, no. oh I
2: mean, my goodness. Shameless self-promotion. No, no, seriously. Uh, I'm hoping how fa- it's
3: a good answer.
2: I mean, seriously, how fabulous is that? I mean, you know, it's... uh. You know it's what it's what the music business really is all about is the music business should be fan driven and uh you know and and i mean it's absolutely the greatest i mean uh it's uh, you know not only is it is a is it a great testament to Todd but it's a great testament to you guys and all the Todd fans you know that there's enough support for it to regularly program. And, uh, you know, so my hat's off to you guys. It's fabulous. You're making me look like I actually know what I'm doing.
1: <laughs> Checks in the mail for both of you. All <laughs> right, so let's. Uh, speaking of uh, fan things, of course, we all know TR Connection, and um, that's a great place for tour information everything, and everything and the forum. There were some questions on there. I want to run through a few of them, and then we'll let you run if you don't mind answering a couple of these. I know you're not feeling well, so
0: it's all right, go I ahead. don't want to
1: be rude. But um, we'd like to keep you on because this has been some great stuff, some good information. Um, what are this is from HB Writer One. He wants to know what are three things Todd could have or should have done different to remain more artistically commercially successful past say 1978.
2: Well, well, um, there are those who would argue that there were songs on post 1978 records that should have been. As big a hit on the radio as some of the pre nineteen seventy eight stuff. There are those who would make that argument. Todd, amongst them, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, uh, but I I hesitate to answer that question because I think I would be overstepping my bounds.
1: Okay.
2: Um, the uh, uh, you know Todd. Todd writes songs very organically. He know, he doesn't sit down and say to himself, "I'm going to write a hit song." If if the song happens to turn out to be a hit, in Todd's mind, that's uh, uh, that that's gravy. It's 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 I won't say an accident, but it's uh uh it wasn't intentional,
4: mm-hmm.
2: and I think that helps Todd uh, you know, maintain uh his inner vision as an art as as being true to his art. That's the best answer I can give.
1: Well so that were three things he could do. The another question he had was what's one thing that you might have done different with the career? If you could go back in time, is there anything you would have done different uh in to, in Todd's career, I guess is the question.
2: Hm. Boy,
1: oh boy! I'm sure we all want to do things different, but I mean, if anything stands out, you
2: know, you could
0: go, "Hmm, I
1: wish I would it. Well, I mean,
2: know. that's you know, that's yeah. a thirty, that's a thirty-four-year question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that um, is a tough one. All right. Uh, boy. Um. Uh. Let me think. See, so there's an interview. I would say, you know, what is your weakness?
1: You're supposed to give me a positive, turn it into a positive. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, how about this? Well, did. Did you think Utopia was a good or bad idea for Todd as an artist?
2: Oh, I thought it was I thought Utopia was a terrific idea. Um uh you know it, it morphed a little bit. You know, it started out just before I worked with Todd as more of a fusion kind of band and uh and more of an experimental indulgence. And then uh uh for a while there, you know, starting in 70, I guess 78, it um for a few years there it it actually became the, you know, the the outlet for Todd for some of his most commercial stuff, uh, where he where he could he could actually contribute since everything was written by all four guys, he could contribute to a song that was blatantly commercial without feeling the guilt of writing something blatantly commercial, uh, or without assuming all of the guilt, mm-hmm. uh, and um, uh, you know, so I think Utopia was a great idea. Um, uh, you know, I, some of my fondest memories are are going around the world with Utopia. <laughs> awesome! Did you uh,
1: did you get to participate in the "Feed Don't Fail Me Now" video? Were you uh, watching that when they did that?
2: I was there. Yeah, I mean, it took <laughs> a long time to you, you, to do, uh, uh, but I was there during part of it. Sure. Yeah, it was pretty I thought, wacky.
1: I bet that was wacky. Yeah. Okay, we got a Bill Wyman fan that wants to know if you still manage him, and what was the wedding like at Tr's house in the early '80s? <laughs>
2: Well, uh, no, I don't still manage him. I stopped managing him when he quit the Rolling Stones and, and retired in 1994. Um, but uh, I mean, we, we remain good friends and we remain email buddies and all that kind of stuff. And I expect to see him when my family and I are in England in a couple of weeks, a couple of months. Uh, but um, the 1981 wedding, that was my wedding, uh, which took place at, at Todd's house, and there were two... Best men, Todd and Bill Wyman, were joint best men. The ones had promoted for the stones on a national basis. and so um, uh, so we had set the wedding, we had set the date for the wedding months earlier, or not months earlier, but weeks earlier, and you know I, and I made sure all the stones knew it. I made sure Bill Graham knew it. you know Bill Wyman is not going to be available on September 12th, you know, so you know, it's rehearsal time. shouldn't be a problem. Don't worry about it you can have Bill. And then uh uh about 2 weeks before the wedding I get a call from Bill Graham and he says listen I got bad news uh, uh Mick wants to do a, a a couple of surprise club dates and uh and so we're we're going to do one in Connecticut and it's on it's on September 12th. And I said Bill you can't do this to me you know I, I got 300 people coming from all over the world. Uh so long story short uh, I, I called up Mick and Keith, and I convinced them to change their touring schedule wow. to, re- to release Bill for my wedding.
1: Nice. <laughs> That's a heck of a wedding right there. <laughs> That's one you don't forget. Yeah. Yeah, very nice. Um, okay, now this is, this this kind of comes across I don't know if I, I'm,
0: uh, as
1: negative, but I mean, I think we all know this kind of, you know, it's, Somebody wants to know how hard it is to manage Todd, you know, being that he's kind of cynical and a little contrary to popular trends and, you know, sometimes stubborn, I guess, single-minded, the term they use. You know, hes hes uh, he's got a reputation. They want to know how hard that's been for you to manage him. I mean, apparently our friends. He was in your wedding, but uh, does that become an issue a lot? Do you all have arguments, that type of thing?
2: Sure. Uh, any relationship has arguments. I mean, I've, I've managed him longer than I've been married, and I've been married for almost 29 years. It's – uh. Uh, so of course there are arguments, but you know, you don't divorce because of an argument, you know, you work mm-hmm. at you work through it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so we've, uh, we've had tons of arguments, but arguments are healthy, uh, in a management client relationship. So, yeah, right. um, so, uh, it, 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 you know, in the, you know, it gets resolved and we, and we move forward and, and you know, make a decision and move forward. And as I said earlier, sometimes it's a decision where he takes my advice, and sometimes it's a decision where he totally ignores my advice. And, and in either case, is fine with me.
1: Well, you, you might not want to share your secrets, but I mean, you've been able to manage him for thirty years, and, and I, I can imagine a lot of people would not be able to do that for a week. And then there's also, you know, on your resume, Johnny Rotten, who I think, you know, I don't know if it's just for show, probably is, but he's the biggest pain in the ass I've ever seen on TV. You know, as far as interviews and different things. You know what is well, your single I mean, get along I with those kind of guys? I
2: represented a lot of very difficult clients, uh, yeah. um, and uh, you know, I did. I did represent John and the and I and, and the Sex Pistols got the Sex Pistols reunited in 1994. I represented John during public image and during his solo stuff and during the Sex Pistols reunion, and uh, and then uh, sometimes, very rarely, it's only happened five times in my career. Uh, it gets to the point where I call it the, the point of life. Uh, life is too short, mm-hmm. and uh, and so John was one of the five clients that I have, that I let go uh, uh, because it just fell into the life is too short department. But I did endure it for about 12 years, <laughs> and, and uh, but That's a long finally, time. The, yeah. finally it just got too much.
1: Yeah, I know what you're saying. Though. Sometimes you,
2: you know, see, see there. You know, Todd is never mean spirited. Todd is can be obstinate and stubborn as you say. Uh but uh but he doesn't have a mean spirited streak to him. He's he he is empirically a very, very sweet, good guy. And um some of my other clients aren't.
1: Okay, gotcha. All right, now that question was from Floyd and he wants me to ask, which, you know, these are always self-serving. You notice some of the calls, too, which, you know, hey, can't blame them. He wants to know if Todd's ever considered touring or holidaying in Australia.
2: The answer is absolutely. We've had a real problem in Australia. Mm-hmm. Todd has never performed in Australia in his life. Wow. Uh, in his entire career. And, you know, I have, uh, I have attempted... Every couple of years, every two or three years, to try to set something up for him there. But because he'd be basically starting from scratch as a brand new artist, it is just not financially practical uh, uh, you know, to, uh, to, uh, to bring him over there. He would lose tens and tens of thousands of dollars to do that.
1: That's not good. All right, well, if you don't mind, I will take a call because this is Grady Motes, Big Todd fan, has helped us with a lot of our shows that we've done, and we love Grady, so I'm sure whatever question he's got, it's a good one. Grady, you're with us, 617.
8: Hey, thanks for uh, putting me on. Sure. And and uh, this is one of the best shows I've ever heard. I've always wanted to have a conversation with you, and 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 you're just on here, Eric, and and the information is just flowing. You'd never know that you're you're ill.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. I, uh, so, I, I don't think I'm drawing my last breath, but uh, uh, it, it hasn't been a pleasant day. But i you know, but this was important. I certainly didn't want to cancel.
8: I was just as sick a couple of weeks ago when we were doing that thing down in Tampa. And um, I I, I was down for three weeks, so I hope you don't uh, take as long to get over it as as I did. Thanks. Um, I'm a radio guy. I was playing uh, A Wizard of True Star live in Afternoon Drive on a Top 40 radio station when it had just come out saying it was the best album that was out right now. And And you kept your job? Uh, I was the program director. To hell with them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had the best numbers in town. They'd let me do anything I wanted to. So <laughs> Cool. Uh-huh. Um, but I had a, a question. I, I heard um, a story uh, a long time ago, and it was very, very sketchy. It was a radio kind of story, something about Todd Rundgren and Lee Abrams. Um, and I don't know whether that's a story that you know, and if you do, I don't know whether it's one that you can share with us,
2: but well, I mean, there, I mean, there, there have been a number of, uh, I mean, I've, I've known Lee, you know, since, since the early seventies, you know, I spoke to him actually about three weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, uh, I'm not sure what decade you're talking about. If it was in the seventies during the Burkhard Abrams days when he was a radio consultant, that would be one story. If it was yep. when he moved over to XM uh radio, uh that would be another story, and now he's uh uh running a uh, a division at Tribune in Chicago. Uh he just took that job last year, that would be another story. Uh but we've had mm-hmm. Todd episodes during each of his uh during each of those decades with Lee. But they've wow. all been but they've all been positive. There's never been a a real super problem with Lee. I mean Todd Todd used to rail against in the press, used to rail against the radio consultants, uh, but, oh, yeah. you know, uh back in the 70s, uh, you know, about how they were ruining radio and about how they were tightening up playlists and screwing artists like himself. Uh, you know, but that wasn't at, aimed at Lee personally. Uh, you know, uh, uh you know, Todd actually likes likes Lee personally.
8: Mhm. Okay. Well, Just curious, and thanks again for coming on the show and staying with
2: us for so long.
1: Oh, hey, no problem.
2: Having a great time.
8: Thanks for calling in,
1: Grady. You bet. Bye. Appreciate everything you do. Grady, radio man, sound man, he's got it all done in the cruiser mill.
3: Yeah, he's a good dude.
1: All right, let's take another call. 815, you're with us. Hey, Doug, Jim Stater. Hey, what's up? Hittage? Hey, Eric,
9: how are you? Hello? Hi, it's Eric. Hi, Eric, how are you? Hi there. Very nice hearing your interview tonight. It was uh very informative. uh We've met a number of times uh in Chicago at the park West actually. Hi again, yeah, yes. Hey, I had something that uh, you were talking about, Bill Wyman, earlier, and somebody had told me a story about you and Bill Wyman. Something about customs and dog biscuits. Is that
0: yeah, true? Uh,
2: this yeah, this actually uh, was the lead story in Random Notes <laughs> uh, in Rolling Stone, and 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 I think went around the world. It was a very interesting thing. Here's what happened. Um, I was uh, I was on my way to Bill's house in the south of France. And uh, I think it was 1980, if I'm not mistaken. And I was, I was in Los Angeles. And his girlfriend had a lot of friends in Los Angeles. And his girlfriend's best girlfriend called me up, a girl named Marta. And she said, I've got a present for Bill. Would you mind bringing it over to his house? <laughs> and I said, sure, no problem. So she brought it over. It was all gift-wrapped, and I put it in my suitcase. But I wasn't going straight to France. I was stopping in Munich uh, because one of my artists was playing uh, uh, on a, uh, on a TV show in Munich, and so I was stopping in Munich and then going on to the south of France. So uh, I arrive in Munich, and it turns out that that morning, an hour before the plane landed in Munich, uh, the, uh, uh, it was it was October, and there was an Oct- uh, you might remember the Oktoberfest bombings in in, in Munich. Uh-huh. And so it was that morning. And so there was a terrorist attack in Munich. And so we land, and we're standing in customs, and I noticed that there... I didn't know about the terrorist attack, because we had just gotten off the plane. And there were... I noticed there were soldiers everywhere with submachine guns. And uh, it was also, by the way, coincidentally, that John and Bottom died uh, later that day, just, just by way of reference. Uh, and um, so... I, you know, I get, I'm standing in the customs line, I'm tired, it's 6 o'clock in the morning, it was an overnight flight, I got my bags with me, I get closer and closer up, and as I get closer, the uh, German shepherds, who are with the soldiers, with the (laughs) submachine guns, start growling, Uh, you know, and I notice that, and I just don't pay any attention, you know, and I keep getting closer, and they start growling louder, and I finally get up there, and they're going nuts, and they're going nuts at me, (laughs) And uh, and I said, oh, for Christ's sake, you know. Uh, now I I'm thinking, you know, uh, you know i have forgotten about the the the, the present. You know, I'm thinking this is, this is this <laughs> So um, so anyway, they 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 stick their the muzzle of their guns in my in my ribs and push me over to a room, you know, and they take my bags and they make, they make me open them. They don't speak English, and these guys are like stormtroopers. And uh, and so I open it up. I start taking my stuff out. And there at the bottom, you know, now the dogs are going crazy because when, at the bottom is this gift-wrapped box. And, uh, and now the dogs are, like, jumping up and jumping up. And I can see the soldiers looking at themselves like, they oh, they've really caught a big fish. And, um, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, wait a second, Marta, what, what could Marta have given me? She knows Bill has never done a drug in his life. You know, all he does is drink vodka and smoke cigarettes. Uh, you know, what could this possibly be? You know, so anyway, they opened it up, and it's a box of milk bone dog biscuits uh, for, and 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 it turned out it was a gift for Bill's dog, Hendrix, uh, because there are no dog biscuits in France. They don't make them
0: uh, uh, and well. so but but but
2: it, but it still wasn't over because the, you know the, they made me open the box, and I opened it up. And, and uh, you know, and I and, and I you know, I I lived in Germany for a while when I was a kid. So I said, you know, für der Hund. I put pointed to the picture of the dog on the box. It's for the dog. It's for the dog. You know, they thought it was like compressed hash or something. Yeah. <laughs> the dog brown. Uh, you know, it took me a couple hours to get out of there. But anyway, that's the story. Uh, God, that's cool.
9: crazy. Cool. I uh, I got that from um, gosh, back in the I think it was in the late that it was in the late seventies, right?
2: Uh, I, no, I don't think it was quite that early. I think it was October of 1980, if I'm
9: not mistaken. Okay, well, it was. I can't. You know, sometimes you you lose time. But I used to be in correspondence with. Uh, I guess it would be your ex-wife, Margaret.
2: Oh yeah. Uh huh.
9: Many years ago, and she used to take some of the fan base stuff.
2: Yeah, she used it. to. Yeah, that's right. She did, and she she also helped murph out sometimes
9: yeah and she sent me she used to send me promo packs and, and whatever and i talked to her on the phone and she told me that story i just i just had to i, I just i said jeez what friends will do to friends you know and uh... <laughs> i was thinking of a question to ask And the whole time this thing was going on i said i gotta ask him about that I, everybody will get a snicker out of that one <laughs>
1: yeah
9: that was a great right question, question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah good story <laughs> hey well thank you so much bill I, excuse me uh... eric and uh... Maybe we'll see you at another show. And uh, thanks for doing such a good type, job with our man. You know. Uh, thank you very much. Hey, you have a good evening. Me too. See you guys in Burn Man.
1: <laughs> see you, Jim. See at Burning Man. Talk to you, man. Bye. Bye. All right, sounds fun. Okay, good stuff from Mister Schneider in Chicago or Rockford, really. I've
3: got a little question. All right, question. so
1: uh, <laughs> Eric, I got if you don't mind just a couple more. We'll wrap it up because I know you're 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 uh, gotten phone. I can hear the phone ringing. You're coughing. And I hate to shift gears because we're all, you know, these are good things. And some of these questions are none of our business, and if you don't want to answer them, that's fine. Um, But there were a couple of questions. One was about, and I'm not familiar with this, this is before my time, but I have heard about it, so it must have been public information. But uh, if there's anything you can tell about Todd's situation with the IRS. Uh,
2: Well, uh, I'm not sure how much of of it is a public record, but... uh... But yeah, Todd has had several uh, uh, encounters with the IRS, and uh, you know they're, they are all resolved now, and uh, mm-hmm. and that's uh, and which I'm very happy to report. <laughs> and uh, that's about as as much as I can talk about it.
1: All right, that was from Poe Boy in Texas, by the way. Okay, also we had um, H.P. Ryder who had asked some questions before, and, and we also had him on the show. Um, Chris Anderson you know, had some controversial things to say, I guess, about his time around there. I don't know if you wanted to go down that road at all or not. I, and, uh, I
2: have no idea what Chris said or didn't say. Uh, you know, I'll be hearing it for the first time if you tell me.
1: Okay. Um,
2: there was a situation about uh, him uh,
1: getting payment for his services because he created some system that was getting people paid on time. He had said that uh, back then... Um, uh, like the the roadies and things and the venues and some different people weren't getting paid on time so he developed this some kind of method and an accounting system and it started working and everything but then he got uh he was told not to do that anymore. Does that sound you know, familiar? It was a quote I, that, in a Mojo uh, that, magazine. I, I
2: have nothing but uh uh but but pleasant and and uh uh and fond uh memories of of Chris's years with us. I don't recall that at all. But if it did happen, probably the reason I wouldn't know about it or wouldn't have been directly involved with it is because he was probably dealing with Todd's business manager. See, I often see myself described as Todd's business manager, but I'm not. Uh, a business manager means an accountant. And uh, so most, most, all, all, most celebrities, sports people, you know, et cetera, have a manager – And a business manager. The business manager receives all the money, writes all the checks, does the tax returns, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, That's not part of my job. I do work closely with the business managers because they have to know when I book a tour or when I approve a tour how much money is coming in. And I do the budgets for it. But the business manager is responsible for paying the crew, paying the band members paying the hotels, the flights, the credit cards, all that kind of stuff. So my guess is if Chris did have an issue, his issue was with Todd's business manager at the time. And that's well, why unfortunately I for you,
1: he used your name. It was in a Mojo article, I think it was 98, sometime in 90, he said that Gardner's office couldn't keep a credit card paid. We'd show up at hotels with a busload of people and find that the American Express was no good.
2: Well, you know what? Uh, uh, he misspoke because I've never had responsibility for Todd's credit cards at all. Uh, that's that's the business manager's. Not that I'm trying to, you know, co- cop out or or, or right. pass the buck. It's just mm-hmm. not my job.
1: Well, you know, and everything you read in print, of course, is not true. So uh, yeah, we were but, just but thinking... like
2: I said. Uh, that's the first I'm hearing that, and mm-hmm. and I would be have been surprised if the business manager at the time, I don't know who it would have been, uh, didn't uh, hadn't uh, got contacted me and said there's a problem. But there was, if it was in the late 90s, there was a business manager that Todd had who turned out to be uh, uh, to have stolen some money from Todd. Mm. And and she would send uh, she would send Todd monthly statements showing the money in and the money out and the bills that had been paid. As it turns out, the money came in, but the but the on the statements, a lot of the bills that she said were paid were not paid and she put the money in her pocket and um and then she disappeared so that sounds like that time period and so that would have been the issue that Chris had was uh was with the business manager Well I will
1: say he didn't say that on the radio show and he had he was here for a couple of hours and he didn't say those exact things um but well, that was I'm just, just an artist
2: telling you that that yeah. uh Understood. that uh, uh, I mean he you know Chris if you're listening give me a call we'll straighten it out but uh uh, uh all of my all the years, and this goes back into the seventies. The all the years that Chris did provided services for Todd were nothing less than great services, and we were really happy with him.
1: Yeah, and I noticed, you know, one thing that was odd about it was that he ended up coming back years later and was involved in the Liars DVD.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, I mean, yeah, it's we, yeah that's a, right. A mystery, we, uh, you know? Yeah, he started a new business, mm-hmm. uh, which was a, a high def. Uh, a high, well, actually, it wasn't a high def at the time. But he started a, a little video mobile truck business, and when uh, when Sanctuary, the record company, and I were talking about shooting a show, uh, uh, Chris heard about it and called me up and said, "Hey, I can I can do this for really cheap, and it'll be terrific." And it was. And then I hired him again to do a Paul Schaefer, to do a Paul Schaefer shoot at BB King's, uh, which was high def. Uh, the, uh, a British invasion show, and uh, you know, so and that was just three years ago. So yeah. uh, I, I, have, I have no issues with Chris at all. I love Chris.
1: Yeah, we we really enjoyed him as guests. He was very nice to us and gave us a rare clip of as a uh, matter of fact. Going eighty.
2: Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, I guess about 1977 or 78. I was at the uh, one of the agoras. I think I, I don't think it was the Cleveland Agora. It might have been the Columbus Agora, at a show, and there was a there was a uh, a puppy that was abandoned. I've never been a puppy person in my life, but I fell in love with this puppy and I decided to take it home with me on the plane, and uh, and I did take it home. And I was living in an apartment in Brooklyn at the time, and uh, and and that little puppy who was which was about six inches long, mm-hmm. you know, in about four months was like. You know, the, the size of a refrigerator. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and, and I just didn't think it was uh, – uh, I didn't think – I thought it was cruel to keep that dog, you know, confined in an apartment, especially when I would have to be in Manhattan all day. And so I asked Chris if he wanted the dog, and Chris said, I, I would love to have the dog, because he Hi. knew the dog, because he had been over to my house a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. The dog's
2: name was Bartholomew. So he took Bartholomew yeah. up to Woodstock.
1: And um, you know, so um, yeah, great uh, dog name. Well, I'm going to guess then probably what happened to Mojo. They assumed that when he was talking about management, that they was talking about you. That's probably the story.
2: Could be that's,
1: that would make the most sense. That's kind of been the you know. That's yeah, I'm the called
2: thing. a business manager all the yeah. time by in the Todd yeah. world, and I think that's because Todd started that a, a long time ago, mm-hmm. and people heard it and it stuck. But it's not accurate. I'm not a business manager. I'm a so your title is your
1: talent manager. Is that
2: an yeah, exactly. appropriate
1: title? Okay, business, a very manager, important business
2: manager means an accountant.
1: Okay. We have a very important call that I must take or I will be killed. 805, you're with us.
3: Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have a question for Eric. I have a comment for Eric. Eric is the best boss ever.
2: Wow. Give her a raise. <laughs>
3: <Bye>. <laughs> and I'm sorry if I got you sick, sir. <laughs> oh no,
2: no, it wasn't you. It wouldn't have happened that fast. Oh good. <laughs> uh, no, uh, how are you, Lynn?
0: I'm doing well, sir. Yeah, and
2: I, I want to say that uh, that that Todd and I are so thrilled with uh, uh, with what Lynn's been able to accomplish on MySpace. Yep, oh, Thank good. We like
1: it.
2: That's that's well, all. Have you
3: I was here the whole show tonight. Um, I just hopped on. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm going to listen to it in archives, though. All right. We've I'm sure Eric was awesome. He's a We've great We've had a great guy.
1: show. Yeah. Excellent. We are clearing up all the rumors and stories and everything and educating people on what it is Eric does and doesn't do. It's been fun.
0: Excellent.
1: Excellent. Yeah. All right, Eric, I'll see
3: you in the morning bright and early.
2: Okay, thanks, Lynn. All
3: right, good night. Nice. See
1: you, Lynn. We appreciate you Bye. all the time. All right, good deal. And uh, one more call right quick, and we'll wrap it up. 612, you're with us.
0: Yeah, hi. Uh, this is Scott from Minneapolis. I caught on the show late, but uh, Eric, I want to ask you a question. If um, uh, The relationship between Todd and Albert Grossman, um, just do you think Todd was served well on a smaller label like that? Is, could he make his music the way he wanted to on a small label like Bearsville, or do you well, think I mean, a bigger are, label? There
2: are, there are advantages and disadvantages. The advantages are what you just said that uh you know that that there's less intrusion and uh you know and greater creative freedom uh the uh you know Beresville was a joint venture with Warner Brothers and so Warner Brothers handled all the handled all the promotion and marketing and distribution for the for the label so the theory was you got the best of both worlds you know a big label distribution and and uh, uh and 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 big fish in a small pond at uh at Beresville uh you know but albert uh you know and uh, albert was um you know a a a very controlling kind of person and i think uh one of the saddest days in his life was probably the day that i got hired as his as Todd's manager because up until that point albert could pretty much run things the way he wanted to run them and uh and and when i started uh, uh you know that those days ended and um so uh, i mean i had a great deal of respect for albert you know he he obviously was a, a legend even when i started he it was already a legend um you know but uh but i still my 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 obligation was to was to todd and i had to make sure that uh that todd's opportunities were maximized and todd was uh uh, uh you know treated uh with the with with the respect and the, and the uh uh uh, and, and the um, uh, consultation that he deserved, and and I think Albert, you know, really, really and I don't think I know Albert really uh, uh, was unhappy about that. And so for the rest of Albert's life, we had a uneasy relationship. I was one of the few people who. You know, uh, uh, you know, Albert had this thing about being—he, you know, he was so physically big, and and he was soft-spoken most of the time, and so when he yelled, it was very surprising because he was so so soft-spoken, and he used that tactic to intimidate people, but that you know, but he soon found that that didn't work with me, and I yelled back just as loudly as as he yelled at me, and that had never happened to him before, Hmm. and. uh and so uh it was an as i say an uneasy relationship uh from uh, you know until he died but it was uh, uh but it was a mutually respectful one i respected the heck out of him and i think he respected me as well and so it was just uh you know he's not the guy i would choose to go river rafting with but we did a lot of business together <laughs> was there one thing that Broke the relationship, or was it a, a series of things? That Sorry, was there broke, one thing that what that broke the relationship with Todd? Oh, uh, and and you know, well, no, the relationship wasn't broken. It was just strained from the beginning mm-hmm. because Albert was used to managing. Albert was used to managing the people on his label. You know, he he managed the band. He managed Bob Dylan. He managed Ian and Sylvia. He managed Peter Paul and Mary. He you know he managed all these big big bands and. Also oversaw their their record label, and that was something that was beginning to die out by not, by the mid '70s, but was re- very prevalent in in the mid '60s, all the way through. You know, especially in England, you know, where you know where where bands like the Kinks were managed by the people that owned their record label, or Island Records, Chris Blackwell managed all the bands on his on his record label, and that's a conflict of interest. And uh, it took a long time to break that system down. And, uh, so um, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm going on and on way too much about this. But. Okay. And I was watching the Judge Judy performance with Johnny Rotten the other night with oh uh, you in there. So. Yeah, I, I made a point of actually not speaking on that except when spoken to because I didn't want to do anything to jeopardize Johnny's case. Um, but, uh, but it was right in the middle of the OJ trial. The, the you know the o j trial had just finished, and so uh at the end when we when john won the case uh you know that they're they're escorted back in the back for for like a little debriefing on on camera and so uh and so the question to John was well what are you going to do now and so i whispered in john's ear say you're gonna now you're you're free to go after the real killers and so that's what he said and uh and, and and, that was, uh, and everybody thought that was really funny. <laughs> the real killers. I'll well, that's what, that. That, that's what OJ Thank you, Eric, said for speaking after we got acquitted.
1: Yeah. Hey, thanks for calling Thank in. Thank you, there. Eric,
2: for speaking with us. Yeah, Good okay.
1: questions. I want to hear a little bit about Grossman, too, so that was cool. Very good. All right, well, that's, that's a wrap. We're on the uh, streaming now. I was hoping to get into a little bit of high-five, but I know you're doing currently business with them, so it's probably hard to talk about that too much. But I know there's been a lot of... People you know, are upset they don't have a website and this, that, and the other, but uh, they got Arena out, and we love it, so that's the main thing, right? Right. I got one more thing, and then, because uh, Michelle sent me a message right now, she wanted me to tell the listeners that Todd and she are so grateful that you're guiding the ship for them, but, uh, and if something ever happens to them, <laughs> Rebop cannot marry one of your daughters until he's 50.
2: <laughs> well, let me tell you. Uh, about five years ago, we went on vacation to Hawaii. I took my daughters there, and and Michelle and Rebop flew over to, uh, to Maui from, from Kauai to spend a couple days with us and uh, and, and boy, my girls were just smitten by Rebot, Let me tell you. Oh. He had that, he, at the time, he had that long, flowing hair. Oh, yeah, uh, he was about 13 or something like that, 12 or 13, and yeah. uh, they just thought he was the wackiest guy he'd ever seen. Neither. Yeah, how old are your daughters? Uh, now uh, thirteen, twelve, and
1: twelve.
2: 13, 12, and twelve. Yeah. I so they 12. were how old then? How, old, how long ago was that? Uh, well, it was probably they were probably eight or nine, and oh yeah, seven or eight. You know, <laughs> and
1: a thirteen-year-old with long hair—that's cool. All right, good story. Well, all right, Eric, we really appreciate you being on. If we could get one more thing from you, if you could just say uh, so we could use you for a promo and tell us what your favorite Todd song is, we'll put it in the background. If you could say. This is Eric Gardner, and you're listening to com, We'd appreciate it.
2: And you want we'll my favorite song?
1: Yeah, we'll put a oh. song behind it if you tell us what your favorite song is. Yeah. Oh, so we'll... I
2: don't have to say it in the promo. No. no. Okay. Um, this is Eric Gardner. You're listening to com. Beautiful. We love it. All right.
1: So you want to tell us? Do you have a favorite Todd song?
2: Oh God, I've got so many. The um, <laughs> uh, one that you me... would
1: like on the commercial?
2: I mean, hang on. Let me just think for a second. Um... Um
3: Is it easier just to name your favorite CD? <laughs> uh,
2: nah. I like Change Myself a lot. I love it. Yeah. Uh um, favorite song. I I, I like I like cliché a lot.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh I like Last of the New Wave Riders a lot.
3: Oh, I love it. that one. Uh-huh.
2: Um <laughs> uh, I like, uh, um, let's see, um, uh, oh, why am I blanking on my, why am I blanking on it? It's, uh, it's on, uh, The Very Last Time.
1: Oh, yeah. I like That's
2: The fine. Very Last Time a lot. The Very Last Time resulted from... Just one last story uh, resulted from uh, we were we were on a tour bus and Paul Fishkin was on the tour bus with us in 1970 early 77. We had just finished um, Oops Wrong Planet and and they were just starting to write songs for Adventures and and on the road on the tour bus Paul said. What guys? Why can't you? You guys should have a huge hit. I mean, why can't you write something like Boston writes? Why can't you write something like, like Foreigner writes? And um, and of course he got you know. I mean Todd just railed into him, and, and and everybody started screaming at him. But so as a joke, they wrote the very last time, which was a parody of the Foreigner's feels like the first time. <laughs> and uh And what's the big Boston song? um:
1: Feels uh, like the
2: first time.: yeah. no, no, that's a foreigner.: Oh, is it Yeah feel, Boston uh, uh, And the Boston Oh, more than a feeling.
1: More than a feeling, okay yeah,
2: and so yeah. Uh, uh, and so they wrote that as a parody, you know, uh, and it turned out for my money to be the most commercial song on the record, but but they did it as a joke for Fishkin.
1: <laughs> He's got two songs in.
2: Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, We've got to we get him yeah. a
1: woman. Yeah. <laughs> I like that story.
2: Yeah. I, I've
1: never seen what he looks like, but uh, the stories are funny about that shtong being about him, poor guy. i got to talk uh, to him yeah, a little bit.
2: I, I, I saw him uh, about six months ago. He's, he's much better.
1: Yeah. Well, I talked to him a little bit. We did a runt review show, and unfortunately, for whatever reason, it didn't record, and that's the only time this ever happened to me in about 70 something shows. But. Um, he was interesting to talk to. I'm going to try to get him again, have him on the show sometime. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, all right, well, we'll use one of those songs for sure. There's some good stories. And um, Let's see, there was another one. Oh, I know what it is. I'm going to uh, email you about some discussions about putting together a watch show. We'll take yeah. the place of this guy who won't talk to you. How about that?
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we don't play.
1: That's a big, big, uh, big deal. I think that could be a very nice venture. All right, good deal. Well, hey, thanks so much for staying over so long, especially being sick. We really appreciate it.
2: Oh, you're welcome. I had a great time. It was oh, fun.
3: And Eric, thank you so much for being so forthcoming. Oh, hey.
2: You're you're very welcome.
3: Great interview. Loved it. Yep. Hopefully we can do it again sometime.
2: Okay. okay. I'm, right. Let me know. All right, get well soon. Thanks, bud. See you. Okay.
1: All right, Cruiser Mill, how about that?
3: That was awesome. That was Unbelievable. awesome. Unbelievable. Yeah. Great day.
1: That was um, very educational, for one. And I think that the people, especially the ones that had posted some of those questions that we had online, are going to have a new um, perception of Eric and what he does,
3: which is good. There were so many questions online. Did we get to most of them?
1: I got almost every one of them. I did. Yeah, I hated asking some of them. I thought that, you know, some of them are personal, but, you know, he gave him an opportunity, and he, of course, has that opportunity anyway to not discuss if he didn't want to, but, you know the IRS question—very personal stuff—but the good thing out of that was um, uh, that we found out, you know, that Todd has no IRS issues anymore, and that's great news, I'm sure, for people that followed that. I didn't know much about that story, really—none of my business—and and that was poor my time, but that's cool to know.
3: Yeah, yeah. We didn't even go down any roads about Timothy Leary or Paul Schaefer or Donnie and Marie. Oh my or God! Are you
1: kidding me? We could have had—you know—we could have have him on for. Uh, a full week, two hours a night, and not get through with all the stuff he's done.
3: Yeah, yeah. That was fun. That was really fun.
1: Good stuff. All right, everybody. We've got Matt Bolton next week. We can't finish with a song because Blog Talk's not going to let us because we're so deep in the archive. But we appreciate you listening. We we'll hope you check out the show again. And we got Dave Mason on April the 7th, who we talked about during the show today. And then on the 31st, you're going to get a mixed bag, grab bag. They you don't know, tell him what you're going to get. But uh, we're looking forward to seeing you. We'll be out at the shows in Birmingham. Uh, na- uh, Chattanooga, Atlanta, Memphis, and Nashville. Look us up. You're listening to Run Reday.com. Cruiser mail, I'll give you the last word.
3: Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will just say good night to everybody and have a great week and happy St. Patrick's Day. What's left of it? Night. Night.